1999 was one of the biggest years in cinema history. Let's go over every movie worth talking about that was released in 1999. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. And today, we're going to be discussing probably the greatest year in movie history, the year 1999. Now, there have been a lot of really great years in film. Obviously, 2019 most recently was excellent. 2007 was very good. 2017, we did an episode on. True, yeah. 2017 was great. 1994 is another great year. And then there's some great years in the 70s. But 1994, of course. I said 1994. Did you? Yeah. Are you not listening? Not really. I I seldom (laughs) do. I seldom listen to Anthony. But when you look at the filmography of 1999, it's shocking. It looks like it's like four years put together. That's how many really good movies came out this year. And if you can compare it to like this year or last year, it's like... There's like 15 really good movies this year, and that's like a fraction of 1999. It's absurd. I was putting this list together last night. It took me like an hour and a half because I kept going through so many top 50 movies of 1999, top 25 movies of 1999, and then I ended up just going directly to like IMDb, and I found obviously a Wikipedia page of every movie released in 1999. And it was absurd how many movies I kept adding to the list. There are several that we didn't include and some I might have missed or forgot. Many not worth mentioning that I didn't put on here. But for the majority of these, they are worth talking about. We've probably seen every single movie on this list as well as I only included about five international films. Most most of these are Hollywood, American, or, or I guess UK productions as well. English-speaking movies, but I put about five international and specific areas because we're going to do this in a specific order. We're going to go through the top 10, in our opinions, from 1999, and then we're going to do an entire category of drama, going over over the other dramatic films. Dramatic films. I love dramatic films. Dramatic films. films. (laughs) And then we're going to go through the horror movies of 1999, the action movies of 1999, which is shockingly sparse, and then Animated films from 1999, which has some bangers. And then comedy we're going to finish up the episode with because there are so many comedy movies that came out in 1999. Huge genre. Remember how big comedy yeah. was? So this includes like like uh, romance comedy, teen comedy, action comedy, all kinds of things like that in there. And I remember seeing a lot of these because um, luckily our, our dad and our brothers didn't really care what we watched. So they let us watch whatever, basically blockbuster, whatever blockbuster. Then also we saw a lot of these in theaters, but we rented all of these. I remember clearly watching these films when I was too young. Some of these, like, especially some of the R rated comedies and some of the more, um, adult like dramas. I definitely remember watching all of these as a kid. Even American Beauty is pretty intense for yeah, a nine-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> but I remember as a, as a child watching pretty much all of these films. And that's like something like we were very lucky where like our parents were like, yeah, watch whatever you want, just as long as it's not like horrible. Just be quiet. Just, just be quiet. <laughs> so I, six boys are so loud. We were watching these kinds of films. Um, I think this is what obviously grew our, our passion and love for Early cinema. 2000s, I think this is yeah. like a huge part of it. And I think, I mean, we grew up, this is like the best year of movies. It's it's peak cinema. It's, you hear peak cinema so often now, but people refer to like a movie that just came out or that came out last year or like last year was peak cinema. 1999, it's peak cinema. Fight me on it. It's, it's like, absolutely it's absurd. Insane. Absolutely Not, absurd. I, I'm just shocked when I'm just glancing at this list. I'm shocked. There's like a hundred movies on this list. <laughs> and they're crazy. all good. It's crazy. They're all well, good. Some of them are, some okay. of them are mediocre. Some of them are good. There is one movie that, so I like the top 10 we have, but there's one movie that I think 
Um, it might be the best movie of two thousand of nineteen ninety nine. It could be in the top ten. It's not in the top ten. What is it? The Insider. Michael Mann's The Insider. Well, I put it. It's it's, it's, it's in drama. Right, yeah, it just it just barely got cut out, but it's up there too for sure. Yeah, because the top ten it's a mix of not like the most artistic, the best film, but yeah, also yeah, a, gen- yeah. a compilation of most loved box office stuff like that, as well as highest yeah. ratings. That's a great point because I mean, a bunch of these in the top ten didn't even get nominated for best picture. I mean, we have the Mummy in there, yeah. so like, <laughs> I love the Mummy to death. So that was like, big. That was big. It's movie. not like the best movie of this. Year. What do you mean? <laughs> so you hate Brendan Fraser is what you're saying. You hate him. I love Rachel Weisz. <laughs> <laughs> but this is going to be so much fun. We'll spend like a minute or so on each one of these movies and we'll just shoot the shit about them. Yeah, it can't be a six-hour episode. Yeah, I mean, it could be. Right. I mean, I'm sure people would tune in. Why not? We should go as long as possible. Yeah, actually, that's what, that's what she said. <laughs> that's not always the best thing, though. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right, let's kick, off, limit. Let's kick off our episode Nine, 1999, a year in film with our top 10 from the year 1999. And the first film on our list, I think, would you agree this is the... I think it's the best. The best yeah. one. We're also going to be doing an episode on it. We did an episode on it uh, last week. Yeah. It was a Movies for Memory of The Matrix, my all-time favorite movie. You all know how much we love the movie that the Wachowskis made here with Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss. Chain, game changer visual effects, bringing martial arts back to popular cinema in America, and it's just an amazing movie. It's a masterpiece. Yeah, it's just it really is just one of the best stories ever in movie history. It, just, it just still is, without a doubt, one of the best films ever. Even even in a year like this, and even after another twenty three years of movies, it's still like the top of the mountain, like up there for greatest. And it's just it changed movies forever. And that that year. And this huge year of movies, like, that was one of the most talked about for sure and ha- most impactful, I would Did say. Did he even get nominations outside of visual effects? They got no nominations outside Not, of that. Nah. Can you imagine? They sh- that should be a Best Picture nominee. It's, I mean, it's it, it's insane that it didn't win Best Picture. But, I mean, the movie that did win Best Picture was very good. So It was it, pretty it was, good. It's a tough year for films. Uh, it was very competitive for the Oscar this year. And then at number two, we have David Fincher's Fight Club, which is... One of my most watched movies, you as well. Same. One of my favorite movies. One of our favorite movies growing up as kids. This was a rental. This was on our house all the time. We owned the DVDs and posters just, in college. Yeah, the posters. It, it became a legendary film, and it became an iconic film um, growing up in America. Everybody, even though we're not supposed to, we were talking about Fight Club. We were all talking about this movie. <laughs> and then you get, I mean, Brad Pitt in a career-defining role in Edward Norton's Fantastic, but David Fincher... Uh, proving once again his his uh, ability as a director and making such incredible films. So with Fight Club, we got to put it at number two. Yeah, we also did a great episode on that, so check it out. It was like a three-hour breakdown analysis yeah. of the legendary film Fight Club. At number three, we have 1999's or 2000's Best Picture winner, American Beauty, which is phenomenal. Maybe the best screenplay on this entire in this entire year, I believe it also won best screenplay. It won, yeah, it won a ton. Kevin Spacey won best lead actor. Sam Mendes, Sam Mendes won. best director, best picture. So this was the Oscar sweetheart of 1999. Well deserved. It's like yeah. the perfect. It's a great movie for the awards. Academy. You know they would love this kind of film. Obviously, you have to put it in the top five if, if you're ranking 1999. It's the best oh, picture. Oh yeah, winner. but I would. I mean, the, the Matrix script is way better. Honestly, probably it's just great. Actually, yeah, you probably <laughs> it's just amazing. They're both great. It was just the Matrix was ahead of its time. Was way ahead of its time, and the American Beauty was the kind of movie that the Academy 
traditionally likes. It's a great film. It's a great, yeah, it's amazing. Thomas Newman, I think, may have won for the score too. I think so, possibly. As well. But um, um, and what's her name? Oh, what's the actress's name? She won Best Supporting Actress. I'll <laughs> look it up real quick. You get to the next one. Next up, we have a Kubrick film, Eyes Wide Shut, starring Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. This is uh, actually just like one of the most interesting Kubrick films, even though he has like the most insane filmography. It's very rewatchable. It gets better on rewatches, but um, it was his last film. He died before its release, but he was able to finish the film. Um, it's edit. He died two weeks after the edit finished. Um, very, very sad, but it's just an incredible movie. Uh, two iconic actors of the time, Kidman and Cruz, are just like, they were the top of their game. And it's just an incredible film. There's nothing like this movie. And now Nicole Kidman introduces Tom Cruise's movies at AMC. <laughs> <laughs> Annette Bedding, how could you forget Annette the name? Annette Bedding. I knew it was an AB, but I couldn't figure out the name. <laughs> but I knew AB. Next up, we have a personal favorite of ours. The Talented Mr. Ripley. Just such a sensational film. They don't make them like this anymore. Sort of very magical and takes place in Italy for the majority of the time. Insane young cast from Anthony Magella's directing. We have Matt Damon, Jude Law, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Kate Blanchett, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Terrific movie based off the film, I mean, based off the novel by Patricia Highsmith. So well made. Infusion of Jazz is so incredible as well, but aesthetically, this movie is gorgeous. It's a dream of a movie. And this was also nominated for Best Picture, and Jude Law was nominated. Anthony Mangello was nominated. So it got— I Best believe, Screenplay. Yeah, I believe it got five nominations, but it didn't win anything. But it's just—it was it's just an incredible year for film, so it was hard to, for anything to win. Next up, we have another incredible screenplay with Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia, which is an epic movie, an ensemble. It's a three-hour film, but it's really, really remarkable. Set in L.A., and it follows five— or six interconnected characters and their stories some in some ways divulge upon each other and it all culminates into the big climax of raining frogs <laughs> it's a, an unbelievable movie uh, it's a movie that i was when i was getting into pta it was i was like oh my god this is incredible and this is back when he was calling himself pta like it was a pta film and then with uh, there will be bloody stars saying paul thomas anderson as a credit but this one and then um this was before Obviously, Punch Drunk Love, but it was his last ens big ensemble kind of movie. Yeah, in terms of like five, six main characters versus now he'll have like two, sometimes three. Yeah, and sometimes just one. But like with this, it was Hard Eight, which was three main characters. Boogie Nights was Boogie about Nights four or was, five. Yeah, about five. And then Magnolia was like six. But it's an incredible film. It's a great screenplay. He was nominated for screenplay. Next, we have The Mummy, which is just... Maybe the biggest banger of 1999. The most fun movie. Not the most yeah. successful, but the most legendary, I think. And everyone loves The Mummy. Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weisz are magic together on the screen. Maybe we'll get a Mummy 4 someday. Who knows? Because there's only been three, right? There's been three. There's been three. So who knows? Brendan Fraser's The King is back. And this movie, it's just still timeless. Even the CGI, you you accept. It's not that big of a deal. Because it a lot good. A lot of it is practical filmmaking. Yeah. You know, I think they did a great job. With this movie's production and the story sensational. It's a classic Hollywood story, just made in 1999. So we have like that great adventure from like the 50s, 60s, and even kind of Indiana Jones esque. And this is maybe the closest thing we've ever gotten to Indiana Jones that this and Pirates of the Caribbean, since that genre just boomed in the 1970s and 80s, to like a great contemporary version in 1999. 
And also, what makes the mummy really cool, and its its sequels didn't manage this, but it was scary too, and it has some good horror elements to it for being a, still a PG thirteen film, and you know, basically made basically for teenagers essentially. There's some good scares, and there's pretty there's some pretty horrific elements, and they do an excellent job of um, showcasing horror, but not crossing the line to make it R rated. Like 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 the guy's body's being sucked, but you just see it in the shadow yeah. off the wall. Like there's some pretty disturbing imagery in this film for kids, which I think makes the movie really work because it is very scary at times. And I remember, I remember standing in line for it at uh, the Woburn Showcase Cinema. Woburn, Woburn, <laughs> and, <laughs> in Massachusetts. And uh, we were it was a huge line for it, and you the line was like stretching into the lobby, and I was just like looking at the poster, and it was like this screaming sand. And I was like so scared. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh my god, here we go. This is gonna be really scary. Back in the old times, when yeah. you have to wait in line to get into the theater, you couldn't pick your own seat. You had to just get first early. First come, first serve. We used to go to the movies like an hour and a half early yeah, because yeah. it was that intense. If it was a big release, for sure. If you want to get a good seat, you gotta get there yeah. really early. You go early and you get your concessions, then you wait in line, then they open the doors, and it's like a mad rush into the theater to get a good seat. Basically, yeah, <laughs> and it's a huge line just to get your tickets because you yeah. couldn't buy them online. Exactly, you had to get the tickets at the movie theater. Sometimes they were sold out. You also had to uh, look at the newspaper. Yeah, you look at the newspaper for your show tabs. Or you could call the movie theater and see what's playing that night at what's what time. What's the mummy playing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> what is the mummy? What time's the mummy on? We we looked in the newspaper for show times. That's an actual fact of our childhood. For the majority of it, yeah. And then they when websites started coming out. Fandango, Fandango, was big. then uh, MovieTickets.com. Yeah. was a big one, and then you look at the showtimes online. But you couldn't purchase the tickets yeah. at first. Just... <laughs> you would just see the showtimes. But then they had the payment processing in the uh, websites eventually. You could, pay, you could pay online, then you'd print out the piece of paper. So you'd go to yeah, the you'd print it out. Yeah, the whole piece of paper. It's like at the airport when some people still print out their tickets. Yeah. Like, we would do that. <laughs> like when yeah. you print out uh, directions on MapQuest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot about Turn that. Turn right at the train tracks. <laughs> that So we'd have... If it's a new theater, MapQuest directions printed out, and then your movie tickets printed out. <laughs> you have a binder of paper. Oh, 1999, <laughs> I miss you. And The Mummy, you know, ancient cultures are so fascinating, and ancient Egypt and Egyptian culture is incredible and, and, and rich and dense, and we love it. Moving on to number seven, we or number eight, Toy Story 2. An incredible sequel to one of the biggest animated films in the history of cinema and animation, from Toy Story to Toy Story 2. No one knew that they could pretty much match what they did with this, the first one, and this is an exceptional sequel. So fun. It doubles down on pretty much everything the first one brought us, plus better animation, of course, because the first one, still great, still holds up, but you could see like, it was in the beta phase of Pixar of what they would become, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, they, it was, like, fish-out-of-water-esque again. Like, it, they left the house, which I think really yeah. worked for the story. And then we had some great elements. The Claw. The Claw. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza Planet's in this one. There's a lot of great pit, uh, bits in this one. They did a great job with it. All right, next up, we have... Or is that the first one? Yeah, Pizza Planet's the I'm first getting one. Claw. Yeah, I was, was, was going to say... What's the plot of the second one? The second one is when... Um, is, this, is it with the, um, the older sheriff and the toy collector? Yeah, with... Uh, what's her name? Oh, okay, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, what's her name? Uh, Jesse, right? Jesse and the old guy. Jesse, yeah. So Jesse is like the third the, main the character. The collector gets Woody. Gets Woody because yes. he's obsessed with the ca- like the TV show. And, and then Buzz like that. is villain. Buzz is the, villain. The super villain. But who's Buzz, his dad. yeah, he tries to save Woody. Yes. But Woody yes. like finds purpose in life with this collector because 
Andy doesn't want to play with him anymore. Yes, yes. And he has right. this new life. He's like, I- I'm happy here. <laughs> it's like it's very much like Tropic Thunder. When he's, <laughs> when his he's, name is Twigbird. <laughs> <laughs> I have a son. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. I definitely got the mixed up. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, hold on. You're like, like describing the first one. <laughs> I was like, wait. wait a planet. <laughs> they do leave the home in the first one. You fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, moving on to Frank Darabont's second prison film, <laughs> The Green Mile. You didn't think he could do it twice, but he did it. He pulled he off another masterpiece of prison cinema <laughs> <laughs> with the Green Mile, based upon another Stephen King story. Uh, Tom Hanks leads this, leads this cast. Michael Clark Duncan got nominated for supporting actor. Sam Rockwell, in an early role, is in this film. He's excellent in the film. This is a great film. It has so many themes of spirituality, religion, uh, justice, and it's just a remarkable film. There's nothing like it. Uh, it's a Really interesting film, too. Beautiful score from Thomas Newman. Great directing. And Frank Darabont has not made many films, but this is definitely one of his best for sure. Plus sprinkling in the supernatural, which is always fun to see in a great movie like this. Speaking of the supernatural, number 10 in our top 10 of 1999 is M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense. We did a great episode on this like six months ago because this is one of the biggest movies coming out of the horror genre for all time it was so successful this has funded like all of m night's movies since yeah. then <laughs> it might be the second most successful horror film i think it's up there yeah. and it was it was huge for m night especially for bruce willis because bruce was making his big comeback of course in the 90s he made a fortune i think he made a hundred million dollars off this movie he made a fortune a fortune <laughs> <laughs> he did really terrible things then Gia. Really terrible things, Robert. You made a fortune. (laughs) The prestige reference. (laughs) And it's scary. It's so well written. Really well directed. Directed. Haley Joel Osment, such a prodigy of an actor at such a young age in so many incredible roles. And then Tony Collette as the mother in this film is phenomenal. It's just a terrific horror movie. Never really seen anything like this. Great concept. Spooky as hell. Great twist. This was... You know, M. Night's maybe best twist in a movie he's ever done. And I think it still is probably his best film. It is his best film. And it was, just, it was, he came out of nowhere because his first film, um, nobody saw it. And so he was still very unknown. And I believe this film grossed $600 million yeah. in 1999, which, if you adjust for inflation, is about $900 million, maybe even closer probably to more. a billion, which is the fucking, last five years. <laughs> that's insane. It's insane. Like, these are the kinds of movies that used to get those kinds of grosses because this movie, it didn't have a giant opening weekend. This movie was word of mouth. Everybody was talking about this movie when it came out. Like, oh, my God, I saw The Sixth Sense last week. Oh, my God, you guys see The Sixth Sense? It's incredible. Everybody was, like, whispering about it and talking about it. Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense. Oh, my God. I see dead people. Sixth Sense. And it was just, like, this movie that everybody was buzzing about, and that's what created its success. And, like, this is, like, that rare, like, $600 million for an original horror film rated R. Like, are you kidding me? From a director nobody had heard of. It's an it's still one of the most impressive successes of all time, I would say. $690 million. $700 million? Oh, my God! So that's over a billion adjusted for inflation. I wonder how long it was in theaters for. It had to have been, like, had half to a run, year. Yeah, it definitely ran for a while. Like, this is, is when movies ran for a while. Yeah, they, they would run well. for, like, if they were a good movie, it'd be in theaters for months. Yeah. Now it's, like, three weeks if you don't make 50. If you, if you don't go to Amazon Prime. If you don't make your budget, you're going to streaming. Yeah, you're on Hulu in two weeks. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's but, crazy. man, this is, like, it's a, cr- it's a special movie. I really like the movie, too. 
I think it's great. Yeah, because when we re- we rewatched it for that episode, I was like, I forgot how goddamn yeah, good this same, movie is. Same. So well made. I've, I had kind of had like a – I wasn't sure how well I remembered it in terms of how much I liked it. And then I, when I watched it again, I was like, this is really good. It's still, good. Still excellent. All right, that's our top ten from 1999. Wow. It's already better than 2023. I'm, just, I'm being honest. Oh, it is. It's yeah. been a mediocre year, except for like outside of four or five movies. It's been there's been like ten really good movies. Yeah, but yeah. in terms of the, in terms of mediocrity for the entirety of movies that have been released, this is just the streaming world now, man. Half yeah. the movies are not. They don't have to depend on box office anymore. Yeah. The thing is, I've only seen 29 new releases in 2023, which is a lot of movies that came out before this year. Yeah. You know? So I've I've begun. I've I just find older films, and they don't have to be old old movies. Like even like I just watched Inception last night. I think that there are less awesome movies. There's not as much depth as there used to be. Like, the roster isn't very deep anymore. There will be, like, 15, 20 really good movies a year, but not 100 really good movies like there used to be. You know what I mean? So, And I'd rather watch an awesome older movie than watch some crappy new movie that just put... I'm not going to watch a movie just because it's new. Like, if it doesn't grab me or get my interest with the trailer, I'm not going to waste my time with it. So I prefer just watching older films. I can generally tell... Whether I'll like a movie or not. Yeah. And I'm so, not going to watch the Beanie Bubble. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to watch the Beanie Bubble. I'm not, not doing it. it. I'm, I'm not I'm doing good. it. I am good. I, I saw that trailer and not I was like, it. not for me. <laughs> Is this the worst trailer I've ever seen in my life? Possibly. Yeah, I'm not watching Flaming Hot. I'm just not going to do it. You know, I've watched Inception instead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'd rather go, do that. Go to the new Bev and watch yeah. Tron Legacy. Yeah. That was more fun than, yeah, yeah. than those. <laughs> just not going to do it. We saw Jaws. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> I just love movies that, yeah, I'm, a, I'm the same. I've maybe seen 30 new movies this year so far. But we must continue. So the way is, but I think. Oh, this, we see them in theaters. Yes, exactly. Yes. We see a lot of movies. We see, see a lot of old movies in theaters. But I think that because so many films come out on streaming that these studios realize they don't really have to depend on box office anymore. So we don't have to make great, great movies every time we make a movie anymore, which is sad. You want to hear this sad. crazy quote from a, they didn't, it was from a streaming executive. They didn't specify who said it or what streaming app it was, but they said that they they look at their content as the second screen content is what they call it. And by second screen, they mean that the, a person's first screen is their phone or their, their laptop that's on their lap or their phone. So like if a person's like in their living room, their phone is their first screen and then like Netflix is their second screen. That's, that's what this executive said. And so they're specifically making like the originals like the ones that they produce most of the time to be less engaging and less interesting. So people don't notice that it's on in the background. It's just background. Noise yeah. They now. don't want people to be like pulled in and be like, Oh wait, what am I watching? And then like, Oh, I don't really like it. And then they turn it off. So they want it to be just like very like non-distracting and not engaging so that people barely realize it's on in the background. And they keep it playing. Cause so they're, they're, they're looking the minutes, at Instagram yeah. and then like, they yeah. look up, Oh, Hey, there's a attractive person. Yeah. Oh, kind of funny. Let me look back here. Yeah. That's really sad. Yeah. That that's what they call it second screen content. That's what we've come to. This is what we mean by yeah. a lot of studios. They know they don't have they don't care about box office for half their movies anymore. They just want people to hit click play and whatever, just watch it. Click click boom, man. That's so sad. Yeah, isn't that crazy? They didn't say they don't even try anymore. Yeah, that's they, proof they don't try. Yeah. Then it didn't say which streamer the executive was from, but Alora, let's get into the drama category. So we're gonna talk about the best films from nineteen ninety nine in the drama category, excluding the ones we've already brought up from the top ten. And so we're going to start off with, you might as well go with The Insider because you think it's... The- so the, the Insider is Michael Mann's film starring Russell Crowe and Al Pacino. And Russell Crowe played a, a whistleblower for Big, Big Tobacco based on a true story of the whistleblower from Big Tobacco that 
um, 60 Minutes um, ran a story on, but the man's um, entire life was destroyed. He was um, fired, blacklisted, and then the media destroyed him. And then eventually he was able to, he stuck it out and, and was able to sway the public opinion on Big Tobacco. But it was a horrible situation for him. And then Al Pacino plays the journalist from 60 Minutes who does the story. It's an incredible, incredible movie. Amazing movie. All right. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, my God. Dude, you got to watch it. I'll put it on my watch list. You got to watch it. I've, I've been meaning to. Make that your next to watch. You, I Because it's Michael Mann. Yeah, I love I love that guy. It's it's, it's a three-hour movie, but it's worth the runtime. It's really great. Next up, I have a personal favorite of mine from Polanski, The Ninth Gate, starring Johnny Depp. This movie's awesome, and I checked it out on, on IMDb. I think it's a 5.9 on IMDb or something what? like that. Like oh in the God. fives or sixes, and I'm like, how is this that low? Because it's an awesome movie, supernatural we have heaven and hell, angels and demons, and Johnny Depp is terrific in this role. He plays a rare book collector and dealer. It's a 6.7. 6.7. Still low. Okay. Anything below 7 is bad. Maybe I'm thinking about something else. But still, 6.7, Polanski yeah. in this film. It's got an incredible opening, and he's basically on this mission to try to procure specific books, these specific books from hell, you could say, for these different collectors. And it's got some great twists, great gore, an insane ending, and if you love the movies that infuse heaven and hell, angels and demons, God and the devil, this is right up your alley. It's so good. I love that movie. It's great. It's great. My God. And Johnny Depp. And peak Johnny Depp. Peak. Next up, we have All About My Mother, a Pedro Almodovar film, uh, starring Penelope Cruz as a recently bereaved mother whose son passed away. Um, so she's confronting that and dealing with that. Um, really beautiful story, very colorful. All of Amotovar's, for the most part, are really colorful productions. Lots of um, strong, bold colors of blues, reds, yellows, primary colors he likes to use. That's an example of that, and then Penelope's amazing. Next up we As have... As always. Always amazing. Siempre. Next we have Girl Interrupted. This is a film from James Mangold, starring Winona Ryder and Angelina Jolie. Really terrific film that takes place in a mental hospital where Renona Ryder's character enters this hospital and she kind of starts to bond and connect with people in there, specifically Angelina Jolie's character. And she kind of has to choose between this world inside this mental facility and the, the reality of the outside world. And she's kind of battling between those decisions. And it's terrific, great drama. And I believe Angie won her Oscar for this, right? Best or, Supporting Actress. Yeah. <clears throat> she won, yeah. It was a tough year for that category with all these great movies. Like she, that was probably like a ton of competition for supporting actress. This movie made her a huge star. Yeah, the, I mean, winning the Oscar is a big deal. Next up, yeah, it's pretty big. <laughs> and then she did Tomb Raider after this. Yeah, yeah in two thousand. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember. <laughs> Next up, we have the Hurricane, starring Denzel Washington, and the true life story of the boxer who was. Wrongly convicted of murder and then freed again. And it's a great, great boxing movie. Excellent performance. Check it out. Next, we have Sleepy Hollow. I love Sleepy Hollow. Me too. A great yeah. kind of fairy, evil fairy tale from Tim Burton starring Johnny Depp. And who else is in it? What's her name? Christina Ricci. Christina Ricci. And then uh, Christopher, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken doesn't say a line. All ah! 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 This is Christopher Walken's entire performance. Ah! <laughs> it's great, though. He's got, like, those sharp teeth. It's about a series of murders. He plays an investigator who goes to this town, Sleepy Hollow, 
to investigate murders of people being decapitated by a headless horseman. A headless horseman. Um, great character Dumb- name uh, too, Ichabod Crane. Yeah, it's great. And uh, Dumbledore's in it. Michael yes, he Ga- is. Michael, Michael Gammon's in it. Um, but He's like I, one of an angry Tom folk, right? Yeah, he plays Kristen Ricci's oh, his dad. father. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the headless horseman is a famous tale, and growing up, like that's part of like Halloween lore. Is the headless horseman is one of those stories. So I le- I really enjoyed watching this film as a kid and. It's, it's, I think it's one of Tim Burton's underrated movies, for sure. Next up, <clears throat> excuse me, we have The Virgin Suicides from director Sofia Coppola. It's about it's a true, true, true life story about a family of teenage girls who all kill themselves um, and obviously destroy the family because of it. But it's about those girls and what led to that, the events of that. It's, it's a really fantastic film, uh, beautifully shot on film. Um, and she showcased that she's just as talented of an artist as her dad is. Next up, we have Summer of Sam, which is a New York City serial killer movie. So Spike Lee decided to take this on, one of the most prominent New York City directors, starring Adrian Brody and John Linguizamo. And it's about the the real serial killer who was at the time, I think it was the something of Sam was the serial killer's name, right? It was in Mindhunter, that guy. Well, yeah, they called him. They called it Son of Sam. Son of Sam. Yeah. So Summer of Sam. Son of Sam was the serial killer that was in Brooklyn. It was yeah, New York City in Brooklyn. And so it's a it's about people who are one of them. Like Leguizamo is a potential victim of the killer and basically trying to survive and trying to find out who the serial killer is, but also kind of all looking over your shoulder and accusing each other of maybe you're the serial killer. Great movie from Spike Lee. Adrian Brody plays a pr- punk rocker. Yeah, he's got a he's great got, hair, dude. Uh, crazy spiked hair and outfits, and he. Uh, yeah, there's a concert scene where he's like he's the lead singer, I think, or the or the bass player or something. And uh, Totoro's in it too. Next up, we have he's in like every Spike yeah, Lee movie. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Next up, we have Rosetta from the Dardenne brothers from Belgium. I believe this won the Palme d'Or at Cannes, and it's a really remarkable film. We actually talked about it on our Letterboxd recap a couple weeks ago, and our international films. Yeah, it's about this uh, girl in Belgium who lives in poverty and she's struggling to. Um, support herself. She has a terrible alcoholic mother. They live in trailer park, and just life is very difficult for some people. And it's a great example of the lower class uh, of that country and how the daily struggle to survive that many other people are unaware of. It's a great movie. The next film, I will not lie to you, I have not seen The Cider House Rules. It was a big Oscar movie that year. With Elijah, several nominations. Yeah. This is what Michael Caine won an Oscar for: yeah. Best Supporting Actor that year. So it had that and won best screenplay as well best directing for lassie halstrom they've won screenplay yeah not alan ball oh i'm sorry nominations okay i was gonna say i'm sorry so sorry about that but i've never seen it it's good i remember seeing it um i'm curious because michael came won an oscar i kind of mm-hmm. gotta watch that performance yeah, i've seen clips of it he's one of the best actors Charlie Theron's in it as well yeah, yeah. paul rudd <laughs> paul rudd <laughs> oh my god delroy lindo the Five Bloods. Oh, oh my, he's great. Yeah, Crooklyn. He's great. All right. Oh, he's he's in um the one. Yeah, the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's in a bunch of movies. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have October Clockers, the Spike Lee Harvey Keitel movie, as well. Gone in sixty seconds. Gone in sixty seconds. The detective. That's his, that's his big movie. That's yeah, big, that's it. Blade. He's he's gonna be in the new Blade. Oh, is he? Yeah. Is he? 
the core. He's the, the sac- core. He's the guy he's the who core. makes the uh... sacrifices himself yeah. in the engine. <laughs> and he gets, gets cooked. <laughs> How much are you gonna need? Uh, about a billion dollars. Do you take checks? Will you take a check? <laughs> he makes the the shielding of the ship. Well, he makes he, it's the sh- he makes the ship. Oh yeah, he makes. The, he he also the makes the the laser. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like the the main engineer. He's the, he's the main scientist, basically. The fucking core man. <laughs> the core man. It's a cool movie. I, I mean, I love that I movie. When that came, movie. What year did yeah. the core come out? Two thousand four, two thousand three. Well, let me check. Um, there's Hillary a- Swank. Hillary Swank. Aaron Eckhart is the lead. Two thousand three. Two thousand three. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, and then Stanley Tucci plays Tucci. the other scientist. Oh, he's the super smart guy. Well, him and Delroy Lindo yeah. were, used to be partners or used yeah. to work together. He plays like the Goldblum character. Yeah, of he like Jurassic stole. Park. He like stole the research yeah. kind of guy. Became famous, whereas Delroy Lindo's character. It's just a scientist in the middle of the desert doing yeah, his own thing. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it's Tucci's in that. I forgot. That's that, a good movie. That's a good movie. This is a fun entertaining. Movie. This is a fun movie. It's not the best, but it's entertaining it's as fuck. It's a cool concept. It is. It's, a, it's an excellent concept. Yeah, I thought it was fun. It's, we, we get a nuke the core. <laughs> it's such an such an American. Such thing. a Hollywood thing to do. Let's blow up the core. <laughs> Two thousands Hollywood. Let's fucking nuke it. <laughs> yeah, bruh. <laughs> the fucking core, man. Who made that? The core. Hold on. A direct Steven by Summers. John Emiel. I don't fucking know who that is. <laughs> he did Copycat, Summer Play, Entrapment, Creation, The Man Who Knew Too Little. All right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Just like some guy. All right. Moving on. <laughs> moving on to October Sky, which is a great coming of age film starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Laura Dern, and Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper had a big year this year. He's an American beauty as well. Um, it's about a young boy who's interested in space, but he grows up in a mining town, and so he's in a bubble, and he has a ceiling over his head, but he's trying to get out of that and pursue his passion for space. And, and yeah, if you've never seen it, and rockets. it's really excellent. It's very inspirational. Um, you know, It's about growing up in a town where your dreams are are told to you what you can be. There's a ceiling of what you can do, but if you dream big enough, you can do anything you want. Dream it, <laughs> dream it, man. Dream it, baby. <laughs> Don't let your your angry dad tell you what to do. <laughs> Cooper's great at playing the angry dad. <laughs> He's, yeah, he, he does is. it in every movie. He's just an angry guy in general. <laughs> He's Even, from um, Boston, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. From Boston. Even in the Bourne movies, he just like got that angry edge to him. He does a great job. Next <laughs> up, we have Man on the Moon, which is an early dramatic role for Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman, an entertainer and comedian. And people were very divided over this film and over Jim Carrey's performance, especially because he went um, what's it, um, method method on set for this for this role. It's a solid movie, and I think it showcased that Jim Carrey had intense range, and this obviously led to him doing more dramatic roles, especially Eternal Sunshine on the, Sp- Eternal Sunshine on the Spotless Mind, Truman Show later on in the early 2000s. So I think this is an important movie for him as an artist to tap into something that nobody said he could do. And I believe Milos Fjordman made this. He sure did. Yeah, that's right. He made. He also made One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Great director. But he, there's a cool documentary on Netflix about it. Yeah. Jim won a Golden Globe for Best Actor. He has two Globes. Have you ever seen that speech where he's like, he's at the Golden Globes just like introducing something? He's uh-huh. like, I am two-time nominated <laughs> Golden Globe actor Jim Carrey. I hope to one day be three-time Golden Globe nominated because it's a joke that like the Academy hates Jim Carrey yeah, for yeah. nominations. They never nominated him for yeah. anything. He said, he said, when I wake up in the morning, 
I'm two I don't, time. I don't, go- I, don't see- I don't wake up as Jim Carrey. I wake up as two time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey. <laughs> it's really good. His delivery is incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, next up, we have Outside Providence from the Farley Brothers. This is more of like a dramedy for them. This is not like a zany comedy that they usually did. And it stars what's that? What's that actor's name? Fucking, I can't remember. But he's in a bunch. He was in a bunch of movies in the late nineties and two thousands. It's about a kid who goes to uh, a private school and he's struggling to fit in. But because he's from Southie, I believe, or so like a rough area of Providence, and it's coming of age, um, trying to figure out life, falling in love with a girl. Really good, really good, relatable film for like teenage boys. I think. Yeah, I uh, I really connected this movie. We were around the same age when I saw it for the first time. In like it came out in 1999, but I saw it when I was a little stoner in like, like yeah, yeah. 15 years old. But really connected with it and fell in love with Amy Smart. Oh, She's yeah, Amy movie. Smart's in this. His name is Sean Hattesey. Sean Hattesey. He's also, you would have seen him in Alpha Dog, The Faculty. Faculty, yes. So he's, he's, he's in a bunch of stuff like he's that. He's the football player in The Faculty. Yeah. And it's a solid movie. It really is. And it's a great coming of age film as well. Who plays his dad? Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, that's yeah. right. Yeah, what's that on your face? Man, <laughs> what do you need that for? <laughs> he's actually good. He's good in it. He's a good actor. Yeah, <laughs> well, the accent's always like some actors fuck it up. He did a good job with it. Yeah. And obviously the, the, New the Departed, accent. he did a great job with it. I like when, when we did The Departed, we rated his accent as like an eight. Yeah, he did a great job. His was excellent. Yeah. All right, next up we have Double Jeopardy. This movie's excellent. It's Remind a, me of this movie? It's um, uh, Ashley Judd and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh-huh. Where she's been framed for her oh yeah, husband's yeah, 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 murder, yeah. and she like even goes to jail. You know what? The the frame for murder genre was big in the it 90s. was big. <laughs> and then <laughs> wrongly accused of murder and then was she, so hot. And then she gets out and she tries to get vengeance. Yes, basically. Yes, I remember. It's actually really good. It's solid. Thriller. There's some things about it that are just like very corny, but I enjoy it. But like, <laughs> there's this great training montage of her in prison. Like, I'm get, I'm gonna get buff and in shape so that when I get vengeance, I can kick this motherfucker's ass. And so she's like doing all this training, like a rocky training montage. But then she never really utilizes the training later on. It's kind of funny, but <laughs> but I think she's terrific in this movie. It's awesome. It, it keeps you on the edge of your seat till the end. And also, a lot of it takes place in New Orleans, which is a really beautiful place Double to film. Jeopardy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember this now. Tommy Lee just obviously plays a, an agent just Same on, the, thing, yeah. on the trail. <laughs> he's, he's a great investigator. Actor. He really is. He's, he's, he's ba- basically U.S. Marshals. It's basi- I don't care! It's literally, <laughs> it's the fugitive. <laughs> Except fugitive with revenge. Dude, cause the fugitive was a huge success. Made a boatload of money. And so the wrongly accused of murder was a huge genre of the 90s. It was because pretty of that big. Movie. It was pretty big. And then you're like, we want to do the fugitive, but it's a girl this time. Can we still have Tommy Lee as the guy <laughs> investigating? It's a great movie. Like, if you have nothing to watch, eh, Double Jeopardy. I recommend it. Yeah, it's fun. Moving on to Cruel Intentions. This is a solid high school dramedy, drama film. Lots of backstabbing, some diabolical sexual situations. It's intense. And it's it was a big movie for Ryan Philippe. Philippa? Is that how you say Philippe? 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 Philippa? Philippa? How do you say his last Philip? Philippa. Philippe. Oh, Ryan Philippe. Ryan Philippe? I think that's how you say it. I thought it was Philippa. Listen, it's an E, not an uh. No, but it's double P. I know it's double P. I think it's French, Philippe. right? Philippa? Philippe, Philippe, Ryan Philippe, Philippe, <laughs> and then Sarah Michelle Gellar, Reese Witherspoon, Selma Blair, 
Joshua Jackson, just a really attractive all cast. The hot, all the hotties. Very hot cast of 99. <laughs> just one of those cliche high school things. <laughs> Is that the one with the, um, the, uh, not, what do you call it? Like, uh, the frat house? Like, the, but like the, uh, the fancy frat house one? No, I don't think so. Fancy frat house. I don't know if I remember. No, that's a different one. It's the, it's the, one, it's the one where one of them writes a, an article in Seventeen magazine, destroying the other one. I think. Cruel intentions. Yeah, it's not coming to mind. Okay, I remember it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I re- I'm scrolling through the photos. I remember this. I'm thinking of something else. It was Joshua Jackson. It was like high. It was a college one, and they had like there was like a, it was like a. Like eyes wide shut, but with like college students. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Um, maybe. Let me look at Joshua Jackson's filmography. I'm, I'm doing it right see now. See if the skulls, the skulls. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, the skulls. It's like an eyes wide shut. Paul Walker is the was the lead. That's what it is. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, it's like eyes wide shut, set in college. Terrible poster. Yeah, so you can't even see their faces. <laughs> Terrible. It's like, I can't even get a squint. Like, who's in this Terrible movie? posters. How do you not just show off their faces as easily as possible? But yeah, that's that's what I thought it was at first. He's in a bunch of horror movies. The Skulls. Next up, we have Boys Don't Cry. Starring Hilary Swank in her big breakout role. Oscar win, too. Yes. No. Nominated. Nominated. Nominee. Um, Annette Bening won lead actress. For American Beauty, so, but she was nominated, and it was her, her, her big re- first big role. She plays a woman who is disguising herself as a man and trying to blend into this small town, and trying to basically stay under the radar for who she really is. And it's a really great film. It's very very good. I remember really liking it. Next up, we have Bicentennial Man, starring Robin Williams as he's like a robot that a family has. But he finds humanity in the relationships with them. And he's like made of like bronze or something. <laughs> <laughs> or like tin. It's like the tin man, basically. <laughs> it's a fucking really weird movie. <laughs> remember it, man? Yeah, I remember my yeah. Centennial Man. I remember watching it and being like, that was really weird. It was a weird movie. <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't work. really work super well. Yeah. He looks like the Iron Giant is what he looks like. Because <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> it's a weird. It's a weird movie. It's the like char- one of the, it's one of those Robert Williams movies that people just don't talk about. The character <laughs> design's pretty odd. Yeah, but yeah, it's an odd one. It's an odd one. Next up, we have Any Given Sunday. Oh the- yeah, one of the best football movies ever made, starring Al Pacino as a coach for this team that had like a horribly losing season. He's trying to turn the team around. Also starring Jamie Foxx as the new young hut star quarterback who gets his chance to start, and it's them together working their best to keep their personalities in check while combating with each other, but also trying to be the best team possible. It's solid. It's, it's a good movie. I love that movie. It's a good football movie. All right, that's the end of our drama section. How about we'll do horror, and oh, yeah. then we'll take our intermission. Actually, let's do our intermission, then we'll do horror. Yeah. All right, so it. we'll go into our intermission because we still got like 60 movies to talk about after this because there's so many bangers that you will be there's so shocked. There's still some insane ones came out in 1999, but before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to leave a five-star review either on Spotify or Apple. Those ratings really help us get seen by new people and new listeners. They help us chart immensely. It's so important and integral to the show 
for new people to find us and to chart. So thank you so much to everyone who's left five-star ratings and reviews. The Apple ones, you can leave a written review, which we love to read out on the show. I'll do one in a couple minutes. And also, the other best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost podcast. Patreon is a subscription-based form of financial support for the show. We have five different tiers of membership, $2, $5, $10, $25, and $100. Every single tier gets you access to two bonus episodes every single week. The weekly chat, which is exclusively on Patreon now, you get access to that, as well as an additional bonus episode, which everyone also gets access to on Patreon. Each tier has a bunch of different perks depending on the level. Everyone gets a message. Some people get video messages. $10 gets you access to the Discord, which is a great community we've built. We have watch parties on there a couple times every month. We just did the Nice Guys, which was so much fun. The $25 gets you a custom episode. $100 gets you your private watch party. You get to come on the show for a fun guest segment after three months. All sorts of perks like that, free merch. So thank you to everyone who is a patron. And think about signing up today. If you're thinking about it, go to patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. And this episode, of course, is sponsored by our friends at movieposters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. We just got a new shipment of posters, and they look fantastic. 2001 A Space Odyssey, Top Gun Maverick, Evil Dead. They are the number one place for all of your poster needs. They also have a great coupon code with us, Raiders10, to get 10% off your order today. Again, they have a huge library of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable. They have all sorts of sizes, framing, and they even have backlighting if you were interested in that. Again. <laughs> I keep saying again. 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 <laughs> Head on over to movieposters.com for your poster needs and be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 and get 10% off your order. Again. again. <laughs> Let's move into the intermission again. By the way, I noticed your Prime. You like that? Yeah, all about the prime now. I'm addicted. We're addicted. It's not sponsors. It's really good. <laughs> it's the moon flavor? Meta moon. Meta moon. It's delicious. I'm going to have to try that today. It's made with pieces of real moon. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, they, they put it out into the moonlight overnight. I think I told you that. They yeah. They put it in barrels, and they just let it sit in the moonlight. Oh, yeah. It's how it gets that distinct moon flavor. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our intermission. Let's begin with the movie quotes competition, Anthony. Remember the first rule of politics. The ballots don't make the results. The counters make the results. The counters. Keep counting. Huh. Good one. It's definitely a political drama. <laughs> a, a, a bit. There's some politics in it. It's, politics. I wouldn't say it's complete. It's a backdrop. It's a backdrop. Election? No. It's a backdrop. I don't know. I'll give you another quote. I thought that one might be too Another hard. what? Another quote from the same movie. Quote. <laughs> Voice crack. No, it didn't. It did. It did not. You were like, I'll give you another quote. No, it didn't. <laughs> it's scratched. Perfect <laughs> <laughs> scratch. There's a difference between a scratch and a crack. Anyways, ears and noses will be the trophies of the day, but no hand shall touch him. I don't know. <laughs> Gangs of New York. Oh, great one. You stuffed the hell out of me, man. Yeah, I, can't was, believe, I can't believe I got you. That was a pretty good Daniel Day impression, too. I could have done better. Yeah, you could have. It, it was, was actually pretty uh, shitty. I was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. All right. <clears throat> Here's my quote. The perfect blossom is a rare thing. You could spend your life looking for one, and it would not be a wasted life. 
Isn't it the last samurai? <laughs> that's one of my favorite memes to send to jim the gif that gif of ken watanabe he's dying and tom cruise is holding him and then he sees the perfect cherry blossom tree in the distance and he goes Perfect, and then he dies <laughs> love that movie it's great all right guess this movie release here anthony once upon a time in Mexico, 1996, 2003. Fuck, you're way off. Damn, is that is that young? Yeah. Huh? Because he did um, El Mariachi in like '98, I think. Before that, from Dustal Dawn was like '98, I think. Or Dustal Dawn was '98. Mariachi, Mariachi was like '93. Maybe that's '96. Yeah. Man, I didn't realize that was made after 2000. I don't know. I thought it was before. Because yeah, I mean Antonio Johnny. Yeah, Johnny. Johnny was big. Johnny was big. Yeah, I guess Johnny is a little older than in the nineties. Um, as the blind set, he's great in that. All right, next up. What year did Memoirs of a Geisha come out? Clint Eastwood film. Memoirs of a Geisha. It's not a Clint Eastwood film. Or oh, he did what's it called? Mixed up with something else. Flags of Our Fathers. No. Well, letters, that's another letters, letters from Letters from Iwo Jima. <laughs> letters from Iwo Jima. Iwo Jima. Yeah. That's a, that is a Ken Watanabe film. Yeah. That Clint Eastwood directed. Stumped me. You see, got me a little confused there. <laughs> now I'm so thrown off. Memoirs know. of a Geisha is about a Geisha. <laughs> who becomes a girl who becomes a Geisha. So it's not a, it's not a war film. 1997. 2005. Yeah. Nice. Nice. It's a great <laughs> it's a great uh John Williams score too. <laughs> All right, movie pop quiz time. Who directed The Devil's Advocate? Good question. Keanu and Al Pacino, man. And to give you a hint, this person has an Oscar as well. What? Who directed this? Devil's Advocate. The Devil's Advocate. Holy fuck. Um, they have an, they have an Oscar for directing? They have an Oscar for best short film. For best short film. So you're not joking? That's real? No, it's real. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, did an Oscar-winning director make this? Okay, all right. That That's... Um, it was a, it was a, I was trying to stump you even more. <laughs> I, don't I know. wanted to get you like, oh, who was it? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Taylor Hackford. Who fuck is Taylor Hackford? <laughs> <laughs> it's the guy who made Devil's Advocate, Anthony. <laughs> that's who he is, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, like crazy respectable director made that movie. <laughs> I, I think it's a good movie, though. No, I'm not saying the movie's bad. I'm just saying, in terms of like, I remember it's not like an iconic director at all that made that. But True. It's, it's a good movie. I love that movie. It's fun. Okay, I love the ending. Who directed the Last Samurai? Oh shit! Who did direct the Last Samurai? It was Taylor Hackford. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, who? Who made this movie? Hold on. Oh, wow. Good question. Um, and you love it, too. I know. I do. How do you not know the director, Francis man? Lawrence? Um, he wasn't that big back then. Holy crap. He's made This guy's made some very good movies. Edward Zwick. Edward Zwick is yes, right. got it. Nice. You got it, man. Yeah, you I got that. Do you know some of his other movies? Edward Zwick. Oh, holy crap. Um, he did Blood Diamond. Yeah. Did um, Glory. You you name him off. 
I used enough brain power to get that out of my head. Okay. <laughs> you did get it right. I thought, yeah, you got it, bro. Whew. I was worried if I didn't get that, I was been like, I'm not a true Last Samurai fan. I, I was, I, I don't know what how it popped in my head. I think I was just thinking of the opening credits and just, yeah, that's probably what it was. All right. Do we have any Raider haters, Anthony? Any haters of the week? Any- Raider. We got some unsubscribes. Oh, we yeah. got some Raider haters. Who we got. Okay. Jazzy Jeff wrote in a post I made about Oppenheimer and the bomb. Nolan didn't set off a real nook. Nuke, un- I'm unsubscribed. <laughs> I suck at reading. Sorry. <laughs> nook. I, I, I ruined that, Jeff. Sorry. <laughs> you butchered that, man. It's a fucking four-letter word. I couldn't even read it. <laughs> nook. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dimitri Lavender wrote uh, in our best movies of 2023 with uh, t- real talk. They wrote, "Damn, no love for Infinity Fool." It seems w- it seems well. Looks like I'll unsubscribe. <laughs> Sorry, but I just didn't like it that much. And then Bryce Canning wrote in our Barbie episode. I don't see past live streaming on Apple TV yet. Unsubscribed. <laughs> I think I said it's on Apple TV, and I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> ben Huff in our Oppenheimer episode well Darling Deco aka Anthony's dummy account leaving his own five star iTunes review unsubscribed so I, I read a review uh, in a previous episode a five star <laughs> review that someone entered I guess a chat GP ch- chat GTP prompt chat GPT chat GPT prompt yeah. to leave a review but it was only <laughs> glowing about Anthony it was saying how incredible Anthony was and how he really makes the show and he's so charismatic and brilliant James, brilliant too James was James is fine but it's really Anthony that makes the show work it's so funny <laughs> it was hilarious I swear you all know it's a lie I swear I didn't write it I swear to God it wasn't me I swear sure um. Yeah, that's it for unsubscribes. All right, we have a bunch of new five-star reviews, so I'll get to one right now. Oh, I'm sorry. There's one great one. In our Ice Cube interview, Henry wrote, Ask about Marvel and Star Wars. Do you guys even know how to interview? Unsubscribe. (laughs) 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 That's good. That's a good one. Good question. All right, next we have a great five-star written review on Apple Podcasts from Chillerful. Their tagline or title is distinguished, daring, and dashing. Three Aww. words I would use to describe these Bostonian gentlemen. They love film more than any other content creator, and more. And the more you watch, the more it is quickly proven to you. Their episodes are extremely detailed and use factual information, but not always factual. Sometimes we're, sometimes we're off. Sometimes Anthony's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> But are very. <laughs> you, just, you just like crack yourself up. I, I did. You're like sometimes Anthony's rock. <laughs> but Fucking I'm, idiot. <laughs> I got him. Got, got him. But are very clear when inputting their own subjective opinions. But not to worry. The overload of information is never a bore, as you truly feel like you're in the room with two two brothers who love each other and love cinema. From Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say we right love after you. you roast me. <laughs> <laughs> right. From Nick Pat. Thank you, Nick, so much. Thanks, Pat. Nick, <laughs> Nick Pat. Nick Pat. <laughs> I, I like the uh the alliteration in the in the title. Me too. I respect alliteration a yeah. lot. I love using it. I like to use it in my in my letterbox reviews. Oh yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the awesome, way you man. just looked at me. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. You're man. like, wow, amazing. Congratulations, you can write words. <laughs> oh, I got a couple of tears coming. Yeah, I know all about alliteration. <laughs> you ever heard of consonants? 
<laughs> All right. This is good. Oh, so thank you, Nick Pat, for the five-star review. Appreciate it so much. All right. My streaming recommendation for this episode is going to be Bones in All. Bones. From <laughs> <laughs> yes. From Spider-Man. Remember the wrestler? Bones. <laughs> from the cage match. He's got his own movie. Bones and All, which from Luca Guadagnino came out last year starring Timothy Chalamet. Just got put on Amazon Prime on August 8th. Recommend checking it out if you haven't seen it. It's my favorite horror movie from last year. I recommend 13 Assassins on Amazon Prime. It's the craziest modern samurai film ever, and the action is fucking insane. Check it out. 13 Assassins. All right, let's get back into 1999, A Year in Film, and we're going to get into horror films right now. Now, horror was not as big in the 90s as it is now. Yeah, I think it had years where it was big and, and not Up so and much, down, but, but it, not that many movies. It really boomed in, two, in the 2000s from its slump. The 90s was a horror slump for sure. There were great ones, but it wasn't as big as it was in the 70s for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're going to lead off with a Japanese horror film called Audition. This was an incredible film I saw for the first time this year. Anthony had been recommending it to me for a while. Audition was directed by Takashi Miike, which you just talked about in... He did 13 Assassins. 13 Assassins, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Now, Audition is one of the craziest, most horrifying horror movies I've ever seen in my entire life. It's so well written. It's an incredible concept. So well directed. And it'll leave you on the edge of your seat as well as disturb you. You may have trouble sleeping at night. One of the most disturbing scenes I've ever seen in my life is in it. And also, don't try to take advantage of women <laughs> because some bad things will happen to you. <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> It's like a it's a good for her movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. In the most horrific ways possible. But she does take it a little too far. <laughs> a little too far. I love it. A little bit too far. <laughs> hey man, good for her. <laughs> Next up we have easily one of the most impactful horror films ever. And it really changed the genre. The Blair Witch Project, the first major found footage success. Um when this film came out. The marketing was, it was the early days of viral marketing online, and people were buzzing about this film before it came out. There was some weird footage and trailers released online, and no one had ever seen a marketing campaign like this before. It was so new because yeah. no, one, not everyone was really connected to the internet, and there was like seven websites that you could go on. <laughs> it was like a photo and text was a website. And I'm trying to remember, like, so YouTube wasn't really a thing. YouTube was not existent yet. So we were seeing it via, obviously, like, some posters. They, they had a website. So Okay, that's what it was. So they, when a movie would come out, they would, the, I mean, they still make websites, but, like, a, you, in, so we, we, we went to New Bev a couple weeks ago, and they played trailers before the film. One of the trailers was a movie from, like, 2000, and at the end of the trailer, it was the website for the movie, because that was how they marketed online. There wasn't YouTube. Uh, there wasn't. Obviously, social media, but like there wasn't even a place for videos. Like even the Matrix had a big website, so movies would make a website for their film, and that's where you could watch the trailer. That's where you could see uh, synopsises or any like press photos for the films that came out. So this is an example where they made the the Blair Witch Project website, and the website got so much traffic and went viral online. And but also it was just viral word of mouth. Yeah, you know, I mean, people were just talking about it. Like, what is this movie, the Blair Witch Project? Oh, you have to see it. I remember the first time I saw it was we didn't see it in theaters because we, we, were, we, were, we were too young. scared. But I watched it by myself once on VHS. It, when, the, it was so odd to be home alone when we were young because we had such a big family. There was eight of us and at times ten people, eleven people living in the house. And one time I was home alone. I think I was ten, and I put on the Blair Witch Project, and I, I didn't sleep that night. I don't know why I did that. 
I was just curious. I wanted. I, I thought. I thought I could handle it. I remember being horrified by it. I was looking behind me while watching that movie, like yeah, every five minutes. Yeah. I was horrified by it. It's. It was. It was good. It's good. It's a solid movie, but it it started the the trend of found footage. It was a it was a huge movie because it's still a genre that people are playing with, and I, I even think like even recent found footage movies like the Creep movies are really terrific, and they would not exist if it wasn't for Blair Witch, Blair oh, yeah. Witch Project. Absolutely. Next up, we have Existens, which is a very trippy, cool body horror film from David Cronenberg, starring uh, what's his name Jude Law, Jude Jennifer Law. Jason Lee, uh, VR, basically like a biological VR yeah. sort of film, and it's very trippy. If you like Cronenberg movies, this is one you definitely want to check out. It's super cool, yeah. Then we have The Bone Collector. Bone Collector! <laughs> Starring Denzel and Angelina Jolie uh, on the hunt for a serial killer. It's actually a really, really good serial killer movie. Uh, it's solid. Um, what happens is Denzel's character ends up getting paralyzed in the opening of the film. And so Angie takes on the case. And so he's like helping guide her. He's they have, They're connected via radio and he's constantly like in her ear while she's investigating stuff. And then um it's it's a really solid um serial killer movie it's good they're they have great chemistry it's good it's got a great third act very suspenseful next up we have martin scorsese's bringing out the dead starring nicholas cage one of his most underrated in his filmography most untalked about it's a really terrific movie it's trippy it's surrealist it's about nick cage playing a um what's it called a, a paramedic uh, ambulance paramedic and basically he's sort of losing his mind because of all the times not only just staying up late and working nights the graveyard shifts but also watching so many people die has kind of led him to go a little bit insane and start to see things that most people should not be seeing tom sizemore is very good in it too yeah <clears throat> next up we have the shark movie of the 90s deep blue sea which is a really good shark movie uh, Thomas Jane is the lead of this film. Uh, LL Cool J, um, a couple other great actors. Um, and it's so great you can't remember their names. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Sam L. Jackson, baby. Sam's in it. Sam's in it, yes. The shark ate me. The motherfucking shark ate me. <laughs> and it's about a group of research scientists who um, developed this technology to bring sentient intelligence to sharks where they become very, very intelligent. And but they're trying to cure Alzheimer's. You're trying to, trying to cure Alzheimer's. They're not doing it for fun. <laughs> <laughs> not for, they're for, not doing it for funsies. Yeah, just to see what happens. Like, what would happen if we made, like, sharks super smart? <laughs> Let's see. But they, they operate on an isolated base on the water, in underwater as well. And then the sharks begin sinking the base with their super smarts <laughs> and killing humans one by one. It's really, to, they try to escape. I fucking loved this movie as a kid. We saw it in theaters. It was fucking great. It was it's so corny good. as yeah. hell, but it's terrific. I mean, it's a great concept, even though how, how ridiculous it is, where these sharks are trying to escape this compound, and they're so smart. They're smarter than anyone there, even the scientists. And then what does Sam L say? You decided to make sharks smart. What did you think was going to happen? He says something like that. It's great. <laughs> I love this movie. It's great. Yeah, I enjoy this well, movie. Well, let's stay on uh, animal horror movies. There's Yeah, there's another one. We yeah. have Lake Placid, which is a horror movie with a giant alligator, or is it a crocodile? I can't remember. It's, um, it's an alligator. Crocodiles Gi have the longer snout. A giant crocodile, but also you can tell by the teeth. That's a giant alligator, I just said. 
Uh, crocodiles no, have the... No, but I was saying you can tell a crocodile by their teeth. Uh-huh. You can tell the difference between their oh, teeth, okay. too. Okay. They have different... I think crocodiles, their bottom rows go outside their mouth up. They have better smiles. <laughs> <laughs> and then alligators, I think their teeth stay inside. Um, no, it's a real thing. I think, I think you're right. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> It's either either way, I think they got some teeth in the front. It's a giant out. alligator. I don't movie. think that. I don't think that's accurate at all. No, I swear <laughs> to God. Here, I'll show you. Show the me. difference between. Well, the diff- uh, The main difference is the length of the snout and the narrowness of the snout. And the teeth. Crocodiles still have their teeth out. But I'm talking about the bottom row. Uh-huh. See, look, look at my phone. I'm throwing it to you. Nice throw. So the crocodile, their bottom rows, you can see they're exposed outside the mouth, whereas alligators, they're not. Dun, dun, dun. Oh yeah, there's a couple of those those bottoms showing. You're right. He's absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty the good. Alligator has to be at least three times bigger. <laughs> three times this size. But it's an al- it's a giant alligator movie. That's pretty much all I need to know. It might be a crocodile, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker! <laughs> you mother. You know you know who's in this movie? Brendan Gleeson's the deputy. Of, no, he's of, yeah, not. of the small town. He's the Holy deputy crap. of the small town in this movie. Oh, let me look this up. Lake it's got um, who's it? Bill Paxton, Bill Pol- No, Bridget Fonda, Bridget Bill Fon- Pullman, Bill Pullman, Bill the, Pullman, the president, president from of Independence, Independence Day. Day. Bill Pullman's the lead. Oliver Platt, Betty White's in this movie. Yeah, Oliver oh Platt. Oliver Platt plays literally the Jeff Goldblum archetype of like the dark-haired, cool scientist. Brendan Gleeson is the, the sheriff the, in this yep. movie. Holy crap. Yeah. This what, is, is, it a, is it an alligator or a crocodile? What's the synopsis? Oh, here? yeah, hold on. Um, but they did a... Let me, they, check, let me check the teeth. That movie's fun because they actually... It's like... It's, it looks good. They did a lot of practical animatronics in the... In the, the crocodile, alligator, whatever the fuck it is. It's gigantic. Like, it takes out that helicopter. Um, there's some good horror. I remember Betty White, she feeds it. <laughs> like, raw meat and stuff. She loves it. She's She's been, like, taking care of it. According to IMDb, it's a giant crocodile. Croc. Giant croc. 32 foot I think long. they were billing it as like a giant croc movie. So it sounds better. Giant croc. Yeah, it does sound better. Giant owl doesn't sound good. <laughs> giant yeah, croc. What a, what a movie. Giant croc, Anthony. Giant croc. <laughs> I, I love a giant croc. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Idle Hands. Idle Hands is a fun horror movie. Yeah, it's, it's like a, it's a teen horror comedy about this guy, Devin Sawa. He was he was in Final Destination. I used to always mix him up with Jeremy Renner when I was younger. They look similar. Yeah. They look similar. Um, and one of his hands becomes demonic and possessed and starts killing people or tr- and trying to kill people and has a life of its own. So he starts trying. He's trying to uh, fix it and stop himself from killing people. It's really fun. Yeah, Doesn't he have a, a best friend that's like he's he's a ghost? And he's talking to him where he like comes to life. I think um I think he kills his best friend. Yeah, it's Seth Green, right? It's either it's yeah, it's either Seth Green or maybe Jay Moore. Maybe Seth Green. I mean, it's it'd be more satisfying if Jay Moore was killed in it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he's so annoying. Jay Moore was always so annoying. I'm sorry. He's like my least favorite actor probably. <laughs> I mean, Michael Sarah's lo- Michael Sarah's death is not a complete waste. <laughs> <laughs> You offended people in that episode. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lie to quote from This Is The End. It's a joke. I know. I remember you got some, you guys, you, in the TikTok clip, it was like, people were like, don't, no Michael Sarah hate. I love Michael Sarah, but it's a funny ass lie because of Michael Sarah in the movie. He's yeah, an asshole. It's great. Yeah. Well, if Michael Sarah's dead, it's not a complete waste, is it? <laughs> yeah, I never liked Jay Moore. 
But you, like, agree, I, you agree, I said, don't you? I said, <laughs> I said spider. Spider. I said I spider. Get me a, I thought you said get you a drink, spider. I What's the matter spider. with this game? <laughs> dance, spider, dance. What's the matter? I'm sorry. I'm a good shot. <laughs> he tells you to fuck off. You shoot the fucking guy. You're going to let him get away with this? What's the world coming to? Hey, spider, this is for you. <laughs> All right, moving on to House on Haunted Hill. Um, Oh, what the fuck? Was this was like that big mansion movie, right? Yeah, that, that big scary movie too spoofed. Liam Neeson's in this. Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. No, it's not Liam Neeson. It's um, what's his name? It's not. It's not Liam. It's another older. Guy. Honestly, let me pull up yeah. on Haunted Hill. Jeffrey Rush, Famke Jansen. Yeah, Jeffrey Rush. Um, Chris Kattan's in this. It's like it was like it's like Clue, but it's a horror movie kind of. Chris Kattan, I love that. Jay Diggs is in it. I love that bit in Nope where he's like, and, and Chris Kattan owning it. All right, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> so, an amusement park mogul offers a group of diverse people one million dollars to spend the night in a haunted house with horror with a horrifying past. Yes, I remember Zachary. No, no. Um, yeah, I remember this. They this is spoofed in Scary Movie too. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. And then they do the, the Nike basketball. <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen the scary movie too, in like 2000, Nike put out this ad of just people dribbling with just a spotlight on them, and the rest of the background is dark, but it's just like squeaking and, and dribbling. But then Scary Movie 2 spoofed it so perfectly. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. Even the even the guy in the wheelchair is doing it. It's so fucking great. Oh my god. Oh my god. Because they just do it out of nowhere. Oh, the movie is so funny. I'm, I love the Wade's brothers. They're great. I love how it starts off where the ball just like rolls over to Sydney. She's like, boom. Oh yeah, that's boom, how it starts. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Oh my god, what a fucking movie. All the scary movies are great. I was, they're awesome. <laughs> Next we have The Haunting is the Liam Neeson one you're thinking that's of. That's it, yes. <laughs> Which is a, a very mediocre horror movie. Yeah, why'd you put it on the fucking from, list? Because <laughs> there weren't that many horror movies in 99. It's true. It's I had true. to put something on there. I mean, we got Lake Placid on there. <laughs> like Lake to... Placid was fun. Yeah, when you were nine. <laughs> <laughs> I love crying croc crocs, bro. I love crocodiles killing. I mean, if you think about like, it's the Meg. Yes. Basically. You just don't like giant crocs, man. <laughs> I never said that at all. You put words in my mouth. You but love the, giant crocs, though. The haunting is, a, you know, a mansion on Hill House. You know, same old thing. Who else is in The Haunting? The Haunting, Liam Neeson, Owen Wilson, <clears throat> Catherine Zeta-Jones. That's it, Catherine Zeta-Jones, yeah. Lily Taylor. Yeah, I remember liking this movie. It was probably terrible if I watched it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the action genre now, and we have some bangers in here. We got Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, which was obviously a huge deal when it came out. Um, not well-received, but it was as a kid, I loved it. Highest grossing movie of the year, yeah, too. I had an absolute blast watching this movie. I think it broke a bill. It was uh, about 930 mil. Uh, okay. Pretty close. Very, very successful. And, you know, it's episode one. It's awesome. We have maybe the best lightsaber duel in the entire franchise of Star Wars is in this movie. And, you know, the birth. I mean, this was huge for Ewan McGregor. He became a superstar after this. Oh, thing. yeah. You know, he's such yeah. a legend now. And it's so cool to still see him playing the character of Obi-Wan. But, I mean. What I'm about 
Hayden, you're just like acting like he doesn't. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, he's not in this one. He's not in this one, man. He's not in this one. Holy crap, Anthony! Yeah, get off my butt, dude. What? <laughs> but get off, get off, get off my, my ass. Get off my ass. Get off People my. People don't say get off my butt. That's why I was gonna say like I shouldn't cuss so much, but I, like we just dropped five f bombs in a minute. Get off my sh- butt cheeks. My tuckus. <laughs> my tuckus. But I mean, pod racing was so fun. We yeah, had that N64 game. It was a blast. I I loved this movie when I was a kid. Yeah, same. And then the second highest grossing movie that year was a James Bond movie starring Pierce Brosnan. The world is not enough. It's not the best Pierce Brosnan one, but it's still solid, and it was very successful. Huge hit, like all James Bond movies are. And I'm, what do you do, five or six? He did five, I believe. Five. This is, um, yeah, Dr. Christmas is the Bond girl, Denise Richards. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loved her. Robert Carlyle is the villain. Oh, snap. Is yeah, he really? he's the villain. Yeah. It's a good one. It's, 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 I think it's probably, it's probably Pierce's weakest Bond movie. I would, I would say so. I think it's the weakest one. It's, it's maybe the most corny one, um, but it was still very successful. But I think it's Pierce, Pierce's worst movie is Bond. The poster is just like, look at these hot babes in Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> That's always been Bond posters, man. <laughs> Next up, we have Boondock Saints, uh, underground cult classic starring Willem Dafoe. Um, great crime movie. Very funny, tongue-in-cheek. Pretty ridiculous. I, for one... Have never liked it as much as the cult following has, but it is fun. It has its moments. It's pretty insane. How could you not bring up Norman Reedus, man? Huge movie. I forgot fan. his name. Sean so Patrick say it. <laughs> How could you forget his name, man? I'm not a big Walking Dead guy, man. I was the first two seasons, then it just lost me. But it's still it's going sad. on. It's sad. It's one of the most successful shows of all time. It's yeah, they got two spinoffs right now. Is the original still going? Is it the original over? I, I believe the original is over. So two spinoffs where it follows Rick and then. Norman probably has his own show too, right? Um, Michonne has her own spinoff. Coming and, out, yeah. And then um, the – I can't remember. Their, I don't know. Um, two of the other actors have their own spinoff right now called uh, Dead City. Gotcha. All right, next up we have The Thomas Crown Affair, which is a heist movie. This is a remake of a Steve McQueen film from 1972 like, or something like that. Another Pierce Brosnan movie too. Yeah, so another Pierce starring role here. It's actually a pretty solid remake. Rene Russo as well. Yeah, for yeah. a remake – it's pretty solid for it's a heist good. movie. It's it's yeah. good. Um, it's sexy. Yeah, it is sexy. I like it. Next up, we have End of Days, an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he actually like pulled out some acting range for this one. He's pretty good in he this movie. He did a good job with it. He plays a cop who is trying to prevent uh, the devil from ending the world. Um, it's pretty grim and dark for an Arnold movie. It's the, you're really it's, it's an odd – it's an outlier in his filmography. Um, I outlier? Think he, outlier. I think he was trying to do something different. But I think I, – I remember really liking it as a kid. Um, it doesn't quite hold up, but it, it's an interesting movie in his filmography. And uh, Gabriel Byrne plays the devil. It's pretty fun. It's not great. But I would say that – would you say that Arnold was the biggest star in the world in 1999? Yeah, he's, he – the whole decade he was the biggest star I th- Yeah, I think so, and he yeah. made it work. Because, like, I, I looked at the poster of it when I added this to the list last night, and it's, like, his name and then End of Days. It's like Schwarzenegger, <laughs> yeah. End of Days. He's, he was the biggest star alive. He was he was on top of the world. That guy was a star, man. What a star. All right, moving on to Three Kings from Spike Jones, right? No, he's accented. It's David O. Russell. Oh, David O. Russell. You fucking idiot. I'm sorry. Spike Jones is in it as well as Mark Wahlberg, George Clooney, Ice Cube. It's about these soldiers in, is it um, Iran or Afghanistan? I think it's, Af- it's Iran. I believe it's Afghanistan. Afghanistan, who heist basically try to steal 
Saddam Hussein's gold before it gets seized by the Kuwait. army. Kuwait. Before it gets seized by the army. It's a great movie. It's an awesome movie. It's an awesome movie. It's really, really great fun. action sequences. Really interesting, unique filmmaking of like going inside the body. All practical filmmaking. It's really cool. Yeah, I mean, and then the, the ensemble is great. Clooney, Wahlberg, uh, Spike, Ice Cube, Cliff Curtis. Great chemistry. Jamie, Jamie Kennedy's in it. Jamie Kennedy, yeah, our <laughs> guy. Not Jay Moore. <laughs> Jay Moore's not. Anthony in it. hates Jay Moore. Do, oh, so you like Jay Moore? I never said I like. I, I never said I did. Do you know who I'm talking about? I know exactly who you're talking about. Why are you googling his name? Just so I can see his face again. All right, Google it. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy. <laughs> I don't have a problem with him. I just never liked him. What about Jerry Maguire? You don't like him in Jerry Maguire? Well, he's perfect in Jerry Maguire because he's an asshole in it. Yeah, it's true. He's an unlikable character. He plays the uh, the rival agent who takes all of Jerry's clients after Jerry leaves. Well, right after, well, he signs Jerry's protege, like yeah. his pride but then, joy. But then there's a sequence where he's stealing all of Jerry's clients when yeah. Jer- Jerry's trying to maintain his clients after quitting, and they're like, "No, we're gonna go with, stay with the agency." It's a good movie. It's a fucking great movie. It's awesome. All right, next up, <laughs> we have Thirteenth <laughs> Warrior. Hold on, Antonio, Antonio Banderas. The Thirteenth Warrior. Thirteenth Warrior. Um, I don't think I've seen this one. Have you? I believe I have. Just a long time ago. Let me double check. Let me look at the uh, stills. The Thirteenth Warrior. Give us a synopsis while I'm looking at this. A Muslim ambassador exiled from his homeland finds himself in the company of Vikings. While the behavior of the Norsemen initially offends him, the more cultured outsider grows respect for the tough warriors. Um, yeah, I've seen it. It's this was like the. That kind of old culture. Omar Sheriff's in this. He's in ancient culture, medieval yeah. culture. Omar Sheriff's from. Um, he's from Lawrence of Arabia and Doctor Shivago. Um, oh, okay. I don't think I've ever seen this. It looks cool. It's, Antonio and Vikings. It's it's okay. John McTiernan made it. Oh, I love McTiernan. All right, next up though, we got an awesome. We got a banger. Payback. We got man. payback with Mel Gibson. Dude, this, we love this movie. This movie was awesome. I feel like we watched it like five times. We this, just loved it. Oh yeah, this is one of the best revenge movies ever. It really is. It's about this guy. Um, he's a thief who's betrayed by his partner, and he gets shot in the back after a heist. They think he's dead. He recovers, and then he's intent on recovering his money that they stole from him. Um, and he enlists the help of Maria Bello to help get his money. And it's just like him going after the crew, killing them one by one. It's it's just a solid, just revenge movie that hits all those beats, even though it can be cliched. It's just it's a lot of fun. I remember yeah, really liking Mel this movie. Gibson is cold blooded in yeah. this movie. It's he so fucks cool. people up in this he, movie. He's got some great kills. I think my favorite's the uh, gasoline trail. Is, is a cool, oh my god, yeah, cool kill. yeah. All right, that wraps up. Excuse me, action. You may have noticed that there was only. Eight movies on our action list because it wasn't a huge year for action movies. Yeah, unlike, very slow. Unlike contemporary now, we have more action movies than any And I mean, genre. even like End of Days and Three Kings, is it really action movies? That's why, like, yeah. they're... Thomas like, Crown Affair is not an action movie. I mean, it's got action in it. It's a, I would say a heist movie is an action movie. It's debatable. There's a lot of car and, and driving stuff like that. Okay, all right. I would, yeah. like, if yeah. you... Like, all right, so I'll, I'll throw... Uh, I'll, I'll let you get that. Yeah. Because, like, if you would put, like... The Italian Job, I would put that as an action movie. Italian Job's an action movie, yeah. 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 There's Heist a lot movies. of action. Now, we only have two genres left. Next up, we have animated. There weren't a ton of animated films this year in Yeah, it's not that many. But there were terrific ones in addition to Toy Story 2, which we already talked about. We had The Iron Giant, which is just a cult classic in a lot of people's top like five favorite animated movie of all time. It's really special. The animation's still terrific. 
And, you know, the boom of uh, computer-generated imagery and animation was changing here, of course, with Toy Story and Pixar. But, you know, the Iron Giant shows that it still works fine with, with hand-drawn 2D animation as well, and it still works terrific, and people still love it. Also, Disney came out with Tarzan, the animated film, um, ta- the classic Tarzan Jane tale. Um, really good. I remember it was famous for it had a track. Phil Collins did the music. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Uh, and I believe he won an Oscar for yeah for that song. Yeah, he won an Oscar for it. Um, but it was I remember really liking it. It was very popular. Uh, it was a good Tarzan movie. And then we have uh, Princess Mononoke from Hayao Miyazaki. Just another film that people adore, and that's terrific from the legendary director and writer. And he has his. Final film coming out this year? Yes. Yeah, his last movie's coming out this year. Then we have a big one for us. Our favorite animated film of the year. I mean, Iron Giant was awesome, but... Well, you know, the real banger was Pokemon, the first movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is uh, Warner Brothers distributed. Um, and this movie was just so much fun. It was epic. We loved Pokemon. We, were, we watched it every day. We played the cards. We had the games. So it was very a very big part of our lives. And then the movie was just on a grand scale, um, improved animation. Um, it was just epic. It was like super huge in scale and scope where uh, the story followed Mew and Mewtwo and in, in their rise. And then it was like that huge arena and like all the Pokemon were there. Um, pretty emotional too. When remember when, po- when Pikachu gets frozen in stone and Ash thinks he's dead. Um, but it's just a, it was a great time. I remember really loving it. What a banger. And then you got a free card, too, when you went to yeah, the movies. Yeah, you got a card when you went to the movies. It was uh, the dragon one. Man, this is fucking Pokemon, man. All right, now the final genre, which is the most packed genre, is comedy, ironically, is the most sparse genre these days. We seldom get comedies anymore, but this genre was huge back in the 90s and 2000s. We have all kinds of movies here. We have black comedies. We have... Uh, high school comedies, we have romantic comedies, we have action comedies, satirical comedies like Ed TV's on here. So just a ton of great movies. Um, and I can't wait to get into this because there's some incredible movies. Let's let's just get right into it, man. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels oh, from yeah. Guy Ritchie. This was his second film. And if you've never seen it, I can't recommend it enough. It's terrific. It's funny. You know, he did so much for kind of building that crime genre over in the UK and you know, he's been copied and mimicked and his style has been influenced, has influenced so many filmmakers since he started making movies. And I think he's a really important filmmaker. And Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels is one of his best achievements. And then being John Malkovich from Spike Jones is a really terrific movie written by Charlie Kaufman. Um, and it's about these people who discover this hidden portal that allows them to enter the mind of John Malkovich, the famous actor. <laughs> It's really great, uh, excellent cast, John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, uh, Catherine Keener, um, and obviously John Malkovich playing himself. It's a really insane, wonderful movie. Who are you? I'm John Malkovich. <laughs> Next up, we have Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, one of the funniest franchise of films ever. And Austin Powers is such an iconic character that Mike Myers created, and everyone loves him. These movies were so funny. So ahead of their very time. successful, yeah, very incredibly successful. I mean, all three of these movies that they made were terrific, 
And the spouse shag me, I think, is the best one for sure. It's the funniest and silliest. And oh, yeah. I love it, man. I, I love Austin Powers. This made $312 million. This is how much money comedies were making. Yeah. Mike Myers dressed up as a spoof of a secret agent in 1960s England made $300 million. That's yeah. insane. And just like... What's, what, five, $600 million today? Yeah. And it's just like, man, just like a really fantastic concept. And the humor just, it works so well. It's such a fun time. When people used to be able to take a joke, man. Yeah. And even the sequels are really good. Heather Graham's like the Bond girl in this one. Yeah. And then Elizabeth Hurley is the like the Bond girl in the first and one. And Beyonce and Goldmember. I'd say the first one's the best one. But the first one, it was modestly successful, made $70 million, But then it became just like a, a sensation, word of mouth, and from rentals, and everybody loved it. And then the second one just became a huge, huge, huge success. These movies must have made a fortune. A fuck. You made a fortune. On rentals. You did terrible things, Robert. Really terrible things. <laughs> then we have American Pie, which was like the modern, animal, raunchy yeah. animal house of, of its time. Also extremely successful with $235 million of a gross. Incredible, little, ridiculous, crazy comedy. Lots of fun. Everybody watched this over and over again. I This has to be one of the most rented movies of that decade for sure because everybody loved watching this. We watched this with our friends so many times. It was like a common like hang out with your buddies and watch American Pie kind of thing. It's one of those movies that this is what people this is what teenagers are like when you're in high school. It's very accurate to coming of age of, you know, trying to figure out what sex is like because the story is about these four best friends who by time prom comes around we're all going to no longer be virgins. Some of them have girlfriends, some of them have never touched a girl before. So it's really funny, but it's so accurate. The vulgarity, the crazy situations, the kinds of people you go to high school with. Like, Stifler, everyone knew a Stifler. Everyone knew these kinds of people. Like, it's just so accurate. I I love it. I think that's why people like it so much. (laughs) Then 10 Things I Hate About You, which is maybe my favorite high school. We gotta do that soon. Comedy, it's terrific. Heath Ledger, Julia Stiles, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Cast is stacked. And we all know this movie, uh, Heath Ledger plays the too cool for school guy. Julia Stiles is I'm cool, t- too cool to date guy- girl. And they just basically, despite hating each other, fall in love. It's become a sensation on Letterboxd. It's gotten up to a 3.9 rating, but it's just become a huge... It has 123,000 reviews it's a lot on Letterboxd. movie this old. And it's all, most of it is just very recent. It's just become a word of mouth kind of sensation in the last year, which I found so interesting because I was, I, I discovered this a month ago. I was on the most popular movies page of letterbox and 10 things I hate about you was like number 20. I was like, damn, really? And I just looked and it's got so like, that's a lot of reviews for an old movie. Usually old movies have like 10,000 reviews. So it's even be- old, great movies. Yeah. So it's become a word of mouth sensation, which I think is really cool that a 20 year old movie is getting so much, um, love from the new generation. So I actually want to do an episode on it very soon because I think it's great. Let's add it to the books. Next up, we have Office Space. Oh my God, another banger of comedies. This is such an iconic movie. Highly quotable when we were kids. It might it might be the most quoted movie of the year from 1999. Um, so many great moments. Uh, it's just a ridiculous film. Brilliant concept from Mike Judge. Um, I, I love Office Space. This was a heavily rewatched movie in our house. Next, we have South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Holy crap, what a movie, especially if you were like us 
in the 1990s growing up with watching South Park religiously. It was the funniest show on TV. It was that show that your parents didn't want you to watch, but you were watching it anyways. And the characters were iconic and ridiculous, and you loved them so much. But then the movie comes out, and holy crap, this one was was great. And then the, the Satan, it's so funny. Satan's in it. It's it's they went the, the music. The music was great. Yeah, they didn't the, hold back. Yeah, and it was, I mean it was so good. Uh, was Trey, Trey Parker, Matt Stone. I mean, yeah. I appreciate so much what they've done with that show, and it's it's fucking awesome. It's really important to culture. I think that show, even though it's silly and vulgar, it's important to still keep comedy alive. And they've been really important the last. 10 years especially what happened was this with this movie when its release came out was because it's rated r um kids like teenagers would buy tickets to like a kid's movie and then they'd sneak into south park and like watch it on the floor there were a bunch of boycotts for it too yeah there were a lot of boycotts for it um because it was a time when the media and american culture like they were very against south park and its vulgarity and it's it was just a hated by especially by parents and stuff so they faced a lot of heat when it came out but now if it came out it would just be like land with a dud kind of like nobody would care but back then it was a big deal next up we have Notting Hill which is a nice rom-com um Hugh Grant plays this dude this random guy who um some random guy some random guy I can't remember (laughs) what he does for a job but he he starts dating a famous movie star played by Julia Roberts um it's a good it's a good rom-com I like it it's cute what is he what's his fucking job Notting Hill. Um, He's a bookstore tri- owner. Bookshop owner. That's it. Because she goes inside the bookstore, yeah. right? Yeah. It's cute. It is cute. It's a, I, I think it's a really good uh, rom-com. It's definitely up there. And it takes place in London, too. Yes, I like it from London. <laughs> Next up, we have Varsity Blues, an iconic high school football movie. It's got all the cliches that you love to have in a high school movie. We have the jock quarterbacks, Paul Walker's in this as well. We have the offensive lineman who's the craziest of them all. Crazy we coach. The, we have the fast-talking wide receiver. You have the insane coach. It's just it's legendary. Like if you grew up in a place where football, high school football, was as big as like the NFL, this is right up your alley. It's awesome. It's funny, relatable, coming of age, dark at times, but I think it's a really good movie. Not another teen movie did a great spoof of it. Oh my god, it's yeah. so funny. Chris Evans plays the, the jock quarterback. It's great. It's amazing. They did a great job. Dawson's Creek's in this too. Um, what the fuck's his name? Yeah. Um, I can't remember. Dawson Creek's. His name is James Vanderbeek. James Vanderbeek. His name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> his name was Robert Paulson. Next up, we have Galaxy Quest, which I think is one of the stronger comedies on this list. It's about a group of actors who act in a Star Trek esque show, and then. They are actually abducted by aliens who think that their show is reality, and they enlist the help of the these actors to help them fight an evil force that's destroying their world. And so these actors have to help these actual <laughs> aliens because they thought they were like real, um, like space people. It's really funny. Great cast: Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, bunch of great actors, big ensemble. Next, we have. But I'm a cheerleader. This is an early role for Natasha Leone, who has had a huge boom the last several years. She's been working with Ryan Johnson on a couple of projects. She's got that. She's got her own TV show now with Ryan Johnson that's on Netflix, I think. Yeah, Russian Dolls, the Russian other Dolls, one. Russian Dolls, but also yeah, Orange is the New, New Black. Black was huge for yeah. her too. And this is like a pretty solid uh, high school comedy. And yeah, I recommend it if you're into that kind of stuff. It's on the Criterion channel yeah. right now, actually. Malika Linsky, RuPaul, Claire Duvall, 
Michelle Williams in this bunch of early roles for a bunch of huge stars. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have Election, which is a really fantastic Alexander Payne movie starring Reese Witherspoon in her big breakout and Matthew Broderick. And so Reese Witherspoon plays this like annoyingly perfect student, and Matthew Broderick plays a teacher, and she starts she runs for class president. And because Broderick can't stand her, he tries to stop her from winning. It's really funny. It's actually some really great dark humor. Excellent screenplay. Um, I highly recommend uh, Election. It's actually one of my favorite movies of 1999. Moving on to Jawbreaker, which is a pretty like decent high school crime comedy where these three girls played by Rose McGowan, Julie Benz, and Judy Greer. And Rebecca Greyheart as well is in there. Uh, they accidentally kill one of their friends, and they try to cover it up. Pam Greer plays a detective in this who they're trying to hide it from as well. Oh, I remember this movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at the photos. Yeah. I remember this. Man. We're old. <laughs> Rose, Mc- Rose McGowan, man. Next up, we have Detroit Rock City, which is a fun rock and roll movie about a group of buddies who are trying to get into a Kiss concert. And it's like a road trip kind of movie. It's really fun. I like that movie yeah, a lot. I thought it was, it was a lot of fun. Great music as well. Yeah, James Furlong's in it. I mean, Edward Furlong's in it. It's like, oh, how are we going to get there? And everything keeps happening to prevent yeah. them from getting to the show. Yeah. But uh, Kiss is actually in the movie as well. It's a fun movie. They, I think they did a good job. Uh, moving on to Never Been Kissed. <laughs> it's <laughs> a movie starring Drew Barrymore who plays somebody who's never been kissed. And she's did not write- age, it did not age well. Yeah, it didn't. But what's she doing? She's writing an article about it or... I'm trying to remember, she, uh, ne- she's she's a journalist. Um, she's writing a piece, and so she joins a school undercover as a high school student. student right? Um, she, yeah, she writes for the Chicago Times. She's re- cr- re- she's writing a piece about teenage culture, so she joins school, poses as a student. Um, and That's then it's, right. revealed, it's revealed that she's never actually like had a date with a boy. And then in kiss. scary, uh, no, in not another teen movie, they spoof it with like this elderly woman is dressed up and she's like, Hey, do you know where chemistry is? <laughs> Thanks dude. <laughs> she's like 80. <laughs> oh my God. What if that, that's another one they spoofed so well. Um, James Franco is in this movie. Holy crap. David Arquette. Jessica Alba's in it. Jessica Alba. Wow. Octavia Spencer. Holy crap. John C. Riley. I mean, I haven't seen this movie since like it came out. Wow. That's a crazy cast. Yeah. Look at this cast. It's wild. All right, moving on. <laughs> Awkward movie, though. <laughs> Next up, we have Drive Me Crazy, which is another rom-com. Melissa Joan Hart, Adrian Grenier, Ali Larder, bunch of big names back then. Um, This is a pretty good rom-com, I would say. It's about... Hold on, let me... These two people that live next door to each other but are worlds apart, however, they plot a scheme to date each other in order... Right, they these two friends date each other to make the people they have crushes on very jealous. However, and... Um, don't they fall in they love? They fall in love, yes. Yes, they fall in love. It's a cute movie. It's a cute movie. Next up, we have Inspector Gadget. Now, this cartoon, yeah. and I believe it was also a comic was huge when we were kids in the 90s. The cartoon was massive. We loved Inspector Gadget. And then Matthew Broderick played the lead character, Inspector Gadget, in the film adaptation in 1999. I'm sure if you watch this movie today, it's probably terrible. And it had a huge budget, $75 million. Um, I remember really liking it. Yeah, I liked it a lot they when had I was toys nine. and everything. Yeah, yeah, but you know, Inspector Gadget, he's this inspector who has all kinds of gadgets inside of him. He's been put together basically 
It's kind of like RoboCop, but more fun and for kids. There's um a movie in the works right now. Of course there is. Or I think it's a TV show, Inspector Gadget. It's Disney, so you bet your butt they're going to probably try to remake a live action again. Next up we have Runaway Bride, which our mom loved. Uh, it's about uh, Julia Roberts. She had a pretty big year in 1999. Uh, she plays uh, a, a bride-to-be who runs away on her wedding day um, because she's unsure about what she's doing, and then she ends up falling in love with uh, Richard Gere's character, who's a journalist interested in the story. It's got the corniest poster of all time. Yeah. She's like in a wedding dress, but also tying shoes. Tennis shoes. It's just like, what were we doing in the 90s, man? <laughs> Shoot shots, man. But hey, it worked. Um, this movie was very successful. Um, box office, $310 million. Wow. Very, very Julia, successful. Julia was super Put butts in seats. She really did. $310 million for a rom-com. It's Where, crazy. She's wearing a wedding dress, t- tying tennis shoes. It's a very closer. charming movie, though. Yeah, it is. But man, and, but it was the reunition, reuniting of these two these two actors. Yeah, after Pretty, Pretty Woman. Woman. So it was a big deal. Like, Gear and Roberts back together, like... People went to see this movie. It works. Next up, we have Ed TV. This came out in 1999, a year after The Truman Show. Kind of similar <laughs> concept. I remember this. Where Matthew McConaughey plays a guy who a TV channel decides to chronicle the day-to-day, every day, every second life of. And he agrees to it. Yeah, yeah. He, he agrees to do be part of Ed TV. Their ratings are low, so they come up with this idea to basically watch somebody for their entire lives for, for, for a whole year, I think. And it's about him dealing yes. with the, the fame of it and the excitement of it as well as how it's affecting his life, his personal life, his romantic relationships. It's funny. It's a it's pretty solid satire. And, yeah, it's pretty good. Woody's in it, too. Oh, no Woody, way. Woody Harrelson plays his best friend. Um, so he's in, like, a bunch of the movie, too. It's really great, the two of them together. It's fun. Uh, it, <laughs> it's, it's, I remember really liking it as a kid. Yeah, it's a good movie. Next up, we have 200 Cigarettes, which is a big ensemble uh, dark comedy set during New Year's Eve one night and it follows a bunch of friends. Um, Casey Affleck, Ben Affleck, Christina Ritchie, Paul Rudd, Kate Hudson, Dave Chappelle, um, uh, Courtney Love, a bunch of other actors. It's basically just like uh, interweaving stories of this one night in New York City. Pretty good movie. Next up, we have Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. The best film of the year. <laughs> Why is this not in the top Starring 10? Starring Rob Schneider. Just a ridiculous concept of this guy who... Kind of accidentally becomes a gigolo because he needs money, but he he does it without sex. He like basically just spends time with these women. He's nice to the woman. Yeah, he's nice yeah. to these women that like no one wants to date. Like yeah. one of them has that condition where they sleep at any time. What's it called? Nep- narcolepsy. Narcolepsy, where she like falls asleep in her suit, yeah. and they're like their second date. He like ties her hair to the lamp. <laughs> but it's just ridiculous. It's silly. It's funny. They made a sequel too. Was it Deuce Bigelow, Mill Gigolo? European Gigolo. European Gigolo. Yeah. It's pretty funny. It was a silly movie, but he. Schneider had a good run. He had a good run. He had a good run. <laughs> Next up, we have Dogma, a Kevin Smith film. Great cast. We have Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. Um, hold on. I'm Chris gonna... Rock. Chris Rock. Uh, Alan Rickman, Salma Hayek. Uh, and the Boston Boys play Angels, who are trying to bring about the end of the world. Jane Silent Bob are in it. Um, it's a, it's a fun, like religious dark comedy. Um, it's really interesting. It might be, it might be Kevin Smith's best movie, ironically. It's pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I actually really like the movie. It's interesting. It's cool. I mean, I miss Heaven and Hell movies. 
I mean, yeah, we, we talked about lot. several from the '90s, but even the Devil's Advocate. So it's popular. It's a concept that, or it's a, it's a thing that's just been phased out of Hollywood. It's, it's, it's disappointing because it, it's something that a lot of people can connect with, but also the great themes of good versus evil are so easy to get across to an audience, I think, with Heaven yeah. and Hell movies. And uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon play very, very bad angels. <laughs> they do some <laughs> fucked up shit. Remember the boardroom? Yeah. Yeah. Some fun stuff it's in this movie. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Next up, we have She's All That, which is just a cliche high school rom-com starring Freddie Prince Jr. and Rachel Lee Cook. Uh, Matthew Lillard's in it as well. Paul Walker. He was in a bunch of these movies in the 90s. Big year. Anna Paquin. Kieran Culkin. Solid, you know, high school typical rom-com. All the typical beats. Then we got Sandman. Adam Sandler in Big Daddy, which was a huge hit. This, uh, I mean, everybody's seen Big Daddy. I think if you haven't, you get to throw it onto your watch list because it's, pr- it's peak Adam Sandler. He plays this, like, bum of a guy, middle like 30-year-old who's got nothing going for him, and then he ends up... Uh, with the, a kid on his doorstep, doesn't know what to do with him, so he just like is basically acting like, like taking care of him for a week while trying to figure out how to get rid of him. Well, can I fix that synopsis? Sure. Because his girlfriend doesn't think he's responsible to continue their relationship, and he knows it's not his son because they said it's his, his roommate, John Stewart, who's on vacation, son. So he pretends to be John Stewart's the character to take care of the son to show Vanessa or whatever her name is that he can be a responsible person. Yes, he doesn't know it's John Stewart's kid until the end. You get that No, the when when Julian gets delivered, they say like delivered like this is No, the it's just um it's just they say the name of the mom and he doesn't know who the dad is. That's the that's the thing. I thought it was they knew he knew it was John Stewart's dad. No, they didn't know it was John Stewart. You sure? Yeah. But he's it's unknown who the dad is at in the in the first hour and a half of the movie. I thought he tried to call him. No, he's, he's pals with John Stewart in the movie. That's what I mean. I thought yeah. he tried it because John Stewart's on a work trip. Mm-hmm. I is that what it is? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, but he he lies about it and he says because he keeps saying that he's that person. Uh huh. He keeps whatever John Stewart's character's name. He keeps saying that's me, not Sonny Koufax, because his name's Sonny Koufax, but then John Stewart's character's name is something else. Yes, Kevin is. He lies and says he's he's that guy, he's the he's him. He's. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. He's, he he acts as to to prove that he could be a, a dad. You're right. Yeah, I totally, I totally forgot about that bit. Anyways, it's fucking awesome. Great sticks reference too. Yeah. What a great, what a great song. Two hundred thirty-four million dollar box office. Jeez, huge Sandman. Huge fucking hit. That's that's five hundred million right now, adjusted for inflation. Sure is. Massive, massive hit. Moving on to, we only got like five left, yeah. everybody, and then we're done. Analyze this, oh, starring yeah. Robert De Niro and Billy Crystal, who are just <laughs> chemistry made in heaven. They made two movies out of this little franchise. And analyze this is basically De Niro plays a mob boss poking fun at his at yeah his persona. It's a terror. Yeah. It's a satire film, so he's poking fun of like Italian mobsters and movies. He's a mob boss who goes to th- has to go to therapy. I think it's a court, court order therapy. Yeah. And him and and Billy Crudup plays the the therapist. Billy it's Crystal. Great. What did I say? Crudup. Yeah, Billy Crystal. Crystal is he's so fucking funny. He's they're amazing. Together. He's a legend, man. Yeah, he's like so when funny. he hosted the he should host the Oscars again every year. Because when he hosted in what year is it that Sounds of the Lambs was nominated for Best Picture and he came out in the being wheeled out as Hannibal Lecter with the mask and everything. <laughs> it was hilarious. Hilarious. That's how he opened the show. <laughs> I, the Oscars used to be fun, man. Take it so seriously these days. I, I fucking love it. Next up, we have Bowfinger. Uh, Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy comedy. Very funny. Um, he's 
Steve Martin plays a failing filmmaker who decides to make a movie about Eddie Murphy without Eddie Murphy under- knowing that a movie's being made of him. Murphy's a, a famous star in the in that world of the movie in that in the world of the movie. The movie. In the movie. The movie. Um, and so it's it's a fun like documentary style filmmaking that Steve Martin approaches secretly making a movie about the superstars to try and save his own career. But it's really fun. I, I like it. I remember really enjoying it. Next we have oh my God. Mystery Men. So this is a I mean I haven't even thought about this movie like since it this came out. This is the superhero movie before superhero movies. So I believe it takes place in a city where there's already a superhero but there's a bunch of quirky people that want to be superheroes and also want to fight crime so they all have these weird abilities. They're not super powered abilities, they're like good at things. And Captain Amazing is a superhero. Yeah, and then Ben Stiller yeah. leads this ragtag group of mystery men oh who try to solve crimes with their talents. Doesn't one of them use a bowling ball? I think so, yeah. William H. Macy's in it. Hank Azaria's in it. William H. Macy is like a, a fix like a fireman something. Kel Mitchell is invisible boy. Oh my god. And Ben Stiller's just like rage angry guy. Oh my god, this movie, I can't believe they made this there's, movie. There's, oh yeah, William H. Macy wears the firefighter outfit. Yeah. Oh my god, this is such a, it's a good cast. It's such a weird movie. My goodness. I remember loving it, though, as a kid. Yeah, it was huge with kids. It was awesome. And wasn't there, what was that that song? Hey now, you're an all-star. Star. Get, get the, the game, game on, go play. Yeah. Hey now, you're, you're a rock star. star. Get the show on, get paid, and all that glitters is gold. That's All Star by, what? what's that band's name? Oh, someone's, scre- you, you're all screaming at your, Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth. Fucking Smash Mouth. Oh, that, my God. He had that CD, man. It was like Smash a, Mouth was huge. It was like a lime green CD case. Oh, my God. But that song was in this movie. It was huge. They were massive for a couple of years. Smash Mouth was like one of the biggest bands in America for a while. Off of two songs. Yeah, well, it's the one-hit <laughs> wonders, man. They're all over, it's all over MTV, man. Holy crap. All right, now we got Stuart Little, which is a, a fun kids movie about a family that adopts like this little mouse dude, Stuart. Stuart. Uh, Michael J. Fox plays Stuart, obviously. Uh, it's a cute little fun comedy. Um, it's, it's actually pretty good, yeah. We actually did it for a bonus review on Patreon. Yeah, we did, yeah. Next up, we have Superstar, which is a great SNL <laughs> movie. It's a great SNL movie starring Molly Shannon and Will Ferrell. She played that character on SNL, right? For a so, long time, yeah, yeah. for a while, and then they made a movie about it. So I, I missed when SNL, the show used to be so good and have such great characters that movies were made about characters. Yeah, it, that's never happened. That since, will never happen yeah, again. Like, the characters were so amazing that entire movies were made off. Like, Night at the Roxbury. Or, like, and like a lot of careers were made off of, a lot of movie careers were made of actors playing similar characters. Like, Adam Sandler's career is built off of SNL doing yeah. that, like, Man Baby, Man yeah, Child. yeah. yeah. So I miss that about SNL. That's how good it used to be. You can make a movie off of sketches. Yeah, I mean they did they did a bunch. Even um, the what is it like the Groovy Man? What was it? Oh, with the, Soul what's Man. His name? Yeah, um, I can't remember what was that sketch called. Hold on, SNL sketch. Soul Man. Groovy Man. Something like that. He he on the on the SNL he would yeah. take calls. Yes. For people who I can't remember. Like the, uh, the Blues Lo- Brothers was another one. Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers, yeah. There were a bunch. All right, next up. Too, many, too many to count. Too many. <laughs> the last one. Um, wait, I, I... One second. You got it, man? You got it. Hold on, I, can, I got it too. Hold on, I'll find it. 
We're we're gonna keep talking. Hold on, we could we could we could get this. Wow, we Sketch. do this. Whoever whoever gets it first wins. The ladies' man. The ladies' man. That's it. Gotcha. That's Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows. Yeah, they made a movie of so that. So the sketch would people would call yeah. on the phone. And, and he was on the like the big bed. Man. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. All right, next up we have the final film of 1999, um, starring Will Smith, Kevin Klein, Kenneth Branagh, Salma Hayek. <laughs> Salma Hayek was huge, yeah. man. Wild Wild West. Chicka chicka Wild Wild West. Chicka chicka Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was so bad. <laughs> the biggest bomb of the year. Um, actually, it wasn't that big of a bomb. It made two hundred and twenty million, but its budget was one seventy before marketing. So probably lost. It lost money. money, but it wasn't as bad as people. It wasn't a huge bomb, but it was horrible. The movie has uh, four point nine on IMDb. Oh my god, which is bad. very bad. And then sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Will Smith was on top of the world, but this was his big miss. Um, it could have worked. It was interesting. It was fun to see um, Will Will in the Wild West setting, the cowboy setting. Kenneth Branagh is fun as this really crazy villain, um, but it's just and it was just too weird. It was too strange, and the comedy just didn't work. It was like steampunk before steampunk, steampunk was yeah. a thing in a way. Um, and I, it, it was a big marketing campaign. I bet I bet they spent a hundred mil on the marketing because remember they had, they had the BK tie-in. Yeah, and you Burger you, King. Burger King had like the special like tool toys and stuff that you would get when you they got had a burger. Yeah, they had a burger. Yeah, did the rodeo cheeseburger become invented from Wild West? I think the rodeo cheeseburger was before that. So the rodeo cheeseburger is just a cheeseburger. Fucking with, best with barbecue sauce and ninety nine cents and barbecue sauce and an onion ring. The ro- rodeo cheeseburger and bacon, bacon. Yeah, the rodeo cheeseburger. Let me double check. That, that was my favorite thing at at, at BK. Let's see. Rodeo. Well, uh, it might have just been onion ring. No, yeah, it's bacon on it. No, no, no bacon. It's just onion ring, bro. Okay, yeah, it's uh, topped with crunchy onion rings and tangy barbecue sauce. You're right. But it was famous because it was 99 cents, and it was fucking delicious. Um, oh, it, was, it came out in 1998 for small soldiers. For small soldiers, that's right. So they used to do that with with like Burger King, McDonald's. They would make sandwiches for movie releases. Yes, I thought. Yeah, so I got it mixed up. So Wild Wild West, they they you get toys with it. You get toys with um, the BK Big Kids meal. Remember BK Big, Big Kids, Kids meal. meal. Oh my god! Big Holy. Kid Diabetes meal. <laughs> I was a big kid. <laughs> that was an accurate. It was accurate. <laughs> Man, they used to really give you some good toys though. Oh yeah, it was great. I'm sure they still do it. Um, uh, maybe. But actually, no. These are actually like legit action figures you would get. But the but Wild Wild West. Wild West, it's it's an okay movie at the time. It was great, but you're right. I think it's just a little too weird. And sure, I'm sure kids would be entertained if they saw it today to an extent. But, I, but I liked yeah. it, but if I watched it today, I think I would not like it. Yeah, the thing is, um, the director, Barry Sonnenfield, he had just done Men in Black, which was a huge hit. And so I think they were given free reign by the studio to do whatever you guys want to do next. Go ahead and do it. And he's like, I want to do this crazy sci-fi western. I got Will... And they were like, okay, yeah, go for it. And Men in Black was insanely good. So um, I think they just got the green light to do whatever they wanted. And it was just maybe not the right green light. Seemed like it. Um, Should have hit red. I remember liking it as a kid, though. Yeah, I remember liking it. I mean, it was, it was the biggest movie of the yeah. year when you were nine. This and Star Wars. The Mummy. And The Mummy. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. 1999. I keep forgetting it was such a banger. But Men in Black was $600 million gross. Very successful in 1997. Wild Wild West still made some money, but... 
Um, I'm sure I'm sure it ended up profiting uh, rentals and DVDs and stuff, but it was just it's just a bad movie. All right, that wraps the year wow. of 1999 in film. Absolutely insane. It took not two just, hours to go over them not all. Not just how many movies came out, because there's still plenty missing that we didn't add here, but so many movies that are worth bringing up are, and are worth watching, yeah. which is about like 90% of this list. And absolutely absurd. It's it's shocking how many like really good movies are here, how many rewatchable movies. I mean, even just like in the deep tracks of like 50s and 40s, there's still very good movies. Holy crap. What and then the top 10 is fucking absurd. Top ten is like, the top ten is like oh you could put a bunch of these on the list for greatest movies of that decade <laughs> you definitely could yeah you definitely could <laughs> like the Matrix Fight Club American Beauty um, talented Mr Ripley you could put those the best movies of the nineteen nineties yeah you could put that on that list absolutely so crazy all right thanks so much for tuning in to Raiders of the Lost Podcast become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast and don't forget to leave those five star reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts aka iTunes. Thank you so much for tuning in around the world, everybody. See you next time. This episode was executive produced by our chosen one patrons, Cody Moen, Andrew Hagen, Becca Keen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Murphy Griggs, Nicholas Martin, Darian Singleton, Tyler McFly, Andrew Hagen. Our chosen one patrons are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a mirror image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.